fired up. Fourth down and goal from the nine. 17 seconds to go. The play clock at three. Shotgun snap. Car throws nice. into traffic. Nice. Intercepted. Nice. Nice. Jermaine Pratt Woo! had the Baby. football. Yeah. Coffin now. Bam, bam, bam. How about that? It ends on a turnover. Joe Burrow takes the snap. He takes a knee. And after 31 years, yeah. the drought is over. It is no fluke. It is a fact. The Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Super Bowl 56. Welcome back. As always, I'm Aaron Smith. Joined by Jeff Howell and the hey, famed best producer in the city. What's going on, guys? The only one saying it. Prompt. <laughs> and it is part of the punctuation. Thanks for joining us. We do have special guests in the house. It's been a long time. Always a good time. Clay Snowden of Just Baseball. Right? We can still say that? You can, yes. Okay, just wanted to make sure that that hadn't gone by the wayside. I know the lockout was tough on some people. So No, we have um, – I have an article coming out tomorrow that I think – fans will yell at me about um <laughs> about the cincinnati reds but i'll get into that a little bit later on but you can check him out at www.justbaseball.com um and on twitter is probably where you're the most active and that's uh what at clay underscore snowden um reds at clay underscore reds there a little is. bit shorter than snowden there it is all right so i'd change the background on you jeff he did. I see that. We know your Clay's Ed's muted fan, on it. Ed muted himself and, and then tried to respond. Hey, baseball. Thanks. We see that. I, I worked I worked hard this afternoon for this show. Clay said it looked like you grabbed it out of clip art. <laughs> I did it in looks, Canva. It looks like something Ed downloaded that- the Canva app. It was like $199 for the pro version. He said no. no I'm still using mind. the cheap version. No, no. It, it looks it looks like something that you bought a, a print of at Joanne Fabrics. What the hell did you guys do for the show today? You know, I I host it, so. I mean, there's a, a pretty big Google Doc. That's a good point. I also have Google Slides. So, we we do want to start the discussion right away. The CBA we we already alluded to it. The lockout is over. The CBA has been ratified. And the Reds are in shambles. And that's how we're going to proceed through this conversation. So first and foremost, I do want to talk with you, Clay, about the CBA, because we're all out here, just your average casuals, your your baseball casuals. Um, But you do deep dives in things like the CBA when called upon. So what were your biggest takeaways from the new CBA? Yeah, I um so as the CBA was going on, the lockout was going on, it made me think about like other sports and when this comes up in other sports. And I did not remember it being this um reported on, I guess for lack of a better term, in other sports. I just feel like one of the big issues, like if none of the reporting was going on and we just got baseball when we did, I don't think anyone would be nearly as mad. Um, there's just so much information about what was going on and 
what the players wanted, what the players wouldn't budge on, the owners and whatnot. And um, honestly, it was kind of sloppy. Um, at the end of the day, though, I, I kind of like the main things from it, which are the changes, no more ghost runner on second base and extra Thank innings. God. And um, I did not mind the double or excuse me, the seven inning double headers. Um, I did not mind that really, but they eliminated that. Um, Universal DH, I've been very public about my um, love for the DH. So, Well, I mean, what the hell sense did it make to have two separate sets of rules? Yeah. Like, no other sport has that. It's always been like that, Aaron. Who doesn't love seeing guys go up there and just whiff at the ball repeatedly and then try and lay it out a bunt? I don't. The, the the other big change that comes to the top of the head was larger bases. Um, literally, you will not be able to notice if if some random person has not followed at all and turned on a baseball game, they're not going to be like, holy shit, those bases are huge. Now, that's um, not that's like, not until next year, though, right? Ed, can you find um, a picture of the, the bases? Yeah, the bases, yes, Jeff. But, yeah, they're – I mean – I really don't know how much of, of a difference that will make. Obviously, it will make a difference, but... I mean, the whole point of it was just to limit injuries. However, you have a ton more real estate when trying to swipe second or third. Yeah. Theoretically, I don't know, I, like, I, I don't know if the distance between the bases is measured from the center of the base to the center of the base or if it's edge to edge, because if it's edge to edge, I mean, you're, you're so, you know what I mean, like running the same distance between the bases to... Whereas like stealing it over like gaining what maybe a, an inch total. I don't mean that. I just mean like, I mean, you have, you know, instead of being this much room, you have this much room. So you have more room for your hand to go and what you're more real estate for the, for the guy with the ball in the glove to have to cover that hand. I mean, again, it's not a giant difference, but I mean, that's considerable. <clears throat> and I, I still don't know that I understand the like the the reasoning behind it because I th I thought they had said that like they it was like safety related but I I assumed that they would have you know like first base would be maybe extended like out like, into like out like into softball. foul territory yeah yeah but then I saw this and it it looks substantial here but I think like what Clay is saying is like if you're watching a game like you're you're not, not going to be like, you know, they're running down and, and stepping on mattresses at, at each base. Like, yeah. It'd be a lot cooler if they were. <laughs> I don't think so. No, no, really, though, if they were mattresses, do you think we could get more money? Because then we could, like, all right. Eggs are sponsored by Mattress Firm. Get out of here, Ed. Ed's eating right now. I guarantee. I know. He totally is eating right now. That's why his camera's off. What are you talking about? I'm not eating. Right and the other the other things that come in 2023 are the shift restrictions and pitch clocks. I um understand I'm not somebody who wants to change all of the rules or anything. Um I I like the banning of the shift not because I am, you know, going to complain about hitting and no offense. I don't really care about all that. I just like it because I think it'll be a little bit more enjoyable for entertainment, you know, just watching a game. Um, it's just going to be a little bit more entertaining overall, which is fine with me. I, like I said, I don't really care. Um, seeing like 
for, you know, Manny Machado making a catch from quote unquote third base and he's in right field. It's just like Unreal. bizarre. It's just bizarre. So um, the pitch clock, something that they've done in the minor leagues, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Um, and, you know, the the pitchers and catchers will learn to adjust maybe the first month or so. It, you may see a problem, but overall, I don't think it's going to have this like drastic thing where it's like, um, you know, it's not going to be like the play clock in the NFL where like, you know, you're rushed and like, oh my God, here we go. We got to snap the ball, right? It's not going to be like that. You're not going to see some some pitcher like hurry up to throw a ball. Like it, it, I don't think it'll be enforced in that way. So you also have the expanded playoffs, now 12 teams. No more one game wildcard playoff. Uh, they got rid of game 163. So you're not going to have where teams are tied and have to play off, you know, in this exhibition, if you will. I mean, I guess it's more than an exhibition, but almost another playoff game just to break a tie. They're going to have tiebreakers already predetermined. Um, you know, the playoffs, it sounds like are going to be changed dramatically. I, I don't know. I guess part of me thinks that 12 might be a bit much. Uh, but what are, what are your thoughts about the playoff changes? Yeah. So I'm an NBA guy as well. And the NBA playoffs are pretty big, right? And they have a play in tournament now or play in seating or whatever you call it. Time out, time um, out, time out. Chad's an, M- or, or, or Clay's an NBA guy. I'm an NBA guy. I'm not a college basketball guy, but we're I am on, an NBA guy. Go Celtics. We're, we're on season five of the show. We've had you on for at least four of those seasons, and this is the first time we found this out. No, no, Ed. Some That's of us already true. knew that. His friends knew that. Yeah. You didn't know that. Clay talks about the NBA a lot. All the time. NBA's Ned, great. Ed's gone and muted again. <laughs> so, the NBA playoffs, you know, you, you see those eight seeds, nine seeds adding and trying to get in, and everyone says, oh, you know, it's going to water it down. Yes, it will, but what it also does is generate interest amongst fan bases. Um, I mean, it's the same thing in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, there's 60, what, four teams or whatever? Like, that's absurd. But what does every 11 seed fans do? They watch every last game up to the end, um, seeing if they're going to make the tournament. It just generates interest. And, yeah, maybe they get, you know, swept in the first round or whatever. But the Cinderella stories happen from time to time. I don't have, like, a strong, like, personal feeling about it. Um, I think it could be good for, you know, local l- local fan bases. Okay, I'm on board and with the, it. Um, I, like, sorry, I, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I'm on board with it. I mean, I think that's a good number there. And then you don't have these one game, like the the one game wild card. You know, you, you win, you're in, you lose, you're out, kind of things. Like, I like the three game series. I know that they they tried to do a thing where like the higher seed would have a a ghost win, so they would only have to win once, uh, which I think is silly. And I don't it, it didn't get in, so that's good. Um, I mean, I, like to Clay's point, where you know you you're gonna have teams that maybe at at the trade deadline would be you know just blowing their team up, trying you know getting rid of guys that because they're not gonna make it. Whereas now they're probably going to hold on to those guys. They're going to you know play it through to the end of the season because they're going to have a better you know they're going to have a chance to get in. 
and, and compete in the playoffs. And if they get hot at the right time, because we all know baseball is a sport where if you get hot at the right time, you could run through the playoffs and, and win a World Series. And that's exciting, especially for those teams that maybe it doesn't happen as often. What well, do for ownership? Okay, if the Reds made the playoffs last year, and we all know in the playoffs, the rotation shrinks, managing changes. The Reds had a really good top three in their rotation last year. If you win a playoff series or two, do does ownership sell? Do they, you know, I, I just think it could put more pressure on ownership, front offices to, oh man, you know, we did make it in. We won a playoff series. Expectations are a little different. We can't use the, well, we missed the playoffs and, you know, it's time to try to reload or rebuild or whatnot. Ed, how do you feel about the playoffs? Doesn't matter. We're never going to be in them. Well played. No, it really doesn't. I mean, can't, let's be can't honest. Even argue that. And thank you. All right. Just making sure you're still with us. Yeah, I'm here. All right. I mean, you should see me in the background just blowing things up over here. We're all over Facebook right now. That's great. Good job. Thank you. Um, apparently, it is first base only. I'm being told. Um, maybe we we mi- I missed that memo. Um, as far as the the larger bags go. So the idea of that is so that you don't have collisions, collisions, and you know, first baseman's foot up against it. Someone steps on the bag, steps on their ankle. I mean, you you see that fairly often, right? Um, so yeah, sure, that's fine, great. Uh, from what I read, it, it's all the bases because they said that it's going to have a a modest impact on the success rate of stolen base attempts. Well, Which, God forbid Bob has to pay but, for any injuries to any of these players. All right, all right, get out of here, get out of here. So, I mean, it, let's go back to the beginning of the lockout though, before they came to the CBA. So essentially, you had the you had the owners who were locking out the players and just like, we, we know we, we don't want you guys back here. There's things with the CBA that we don't, don't like. And the narrative was written all over the place. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I'm curious to hear what your take is that it was the billionaires versus the millionaires. So what was your thought process when the lockout even happened? Do you think this was something that was necessary for the game do you think that the players got a fair shake on this? And or or do you think that the owners just kind of dug their own grave here? Like, I mean, where 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 do you stand on this? I um so I'm not a lawyer, which may be surprising to some people, right? But I'm the very much not a lawyer. So I'm one. Yeah. Labor negotiation is not something I would consider myself an expert in. But um, like I said before, I think this happens like with all kinds of things. You know, if you talk to like a union, this type of stuff happens with unions too. It's it's not that uncommon. Um, I think the issue with it was, like I said, just how public all of it was. I think the end result and what they got, I thought it was, you know, pretty fair overall. Um, I haven't read into every single detail of the CBA. I read the last one. It was, you know, 300 and something pages. So I've not gotten around to that yet, but, um, you did actually read the last one. Yeah. I, uh, um, you're such a f- super fan. I love it. <laughs> I I, love it you. was during the lockout and, uh, twins daily, which is a fantastic follower on Twitter. If you have during the lockout interest, or lockdown, 
What's that? You read it during the lockout? During the lockout. Okay, I thought maybe you read it like during lockdown when no, I got it off pandemic.com. Okay. I, I just got fascinated with it because it was like describing like players who are cut, like their transportation home, how many meals they get on the plane or whatever. Like there's so much detail to it that I was just like, this would be a nightmare to draft up. But well, I, I assume you have rules like that because you had an issue with it at some point. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's always well, issues. I mean, a little short story here. I'm wearing my Louisville bats pullover. A uh, Dwight Smith was with the bats this year, got cut. I think while the team was in Toledo and they like did not prepare him transportation home. He was just like, all right, man, like, I guess, you know, there's a bus or something or you can just kind of figure it out. Like that's the type of shit that like is absurd. And I know we're talking about the minor leagues there, but um, you know, I'm sure that happened at some point in time. It's so, still shitty. Yeah. yeah. Oh my like, God. Yes. It's really, like, sorry, you're, you're no longer part of the team or organization. Um, find your own thanks. ride home. Yeah. <laughs> Th- thanks for your service. See you later. You're cut off. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, overall, I think that the agreement that they came to was reasonable. I don't think there's anything absurd. Um, I was, you know, the, well, uh, I think we're going to talk about the draft lottery, but um, I was wanting an international draft. Um, which could still happen. Which could still can, happen, right. Up to like July, I think they have a yeah, so option to like put that in. I, I just think a, an international draft would be, would be good, imperative. especially for teams that are, you know, struggling with talent. Because they, they don't, they, that takes away making qualifying offers, correct? I think that's what the... Like they don't have to bid essentially on right, yeah. On these so guys. the way it works now is you have an allotment of money, like a pool of money you can use to sign players. And the international signing period is so bizarre. I went yesterday and uh, looked up the past like ten classes, and um, Arm and I talk about this a lot. Like putting out a bunch of like seventy five thousand dollar bids on a ton of players is so much better than like going after the top talent. If you look at the 2012 international top 10, the only player you will know is like the backup catcher for the Mariners is on there and that's it. And these people are making millions. Um, Alfredo Rodriguez who played with the bats last year is like a $7 million um, international signing 26 years old, never made it to the majors. Like um, Ellie De La Cruz, one of the Reds' top prospects, $65,000. It's just a complete crapshoot when you're talking about, you know, 15-year-old kids and, you know, 16-year-old kids and scouting them and trying to to project how they'll be when not only they're older, but when they come to a different country. Like, everything is so hard with it. So, Well, and let's be honest. How much money is being moved under the table to guys oh. who are already in these countries hired by the the teams to go and just funnel money to these families so that when they do make an offer, they take that offer from that team because they've already been siphoning them money under the table. Anyone interested in team construction or roster construction, um, this book right here called Future Value what, came out, I think, last year or so. And this is excellent. Um, it's all about the they, they talk about the international draft they talk about drafting minors just all ways to build a team and it's honestly disgusting 
um, just hearing about the the international draft and kind of everything around it. Ed, next week, 90-second review. <laughs> on that Egypt. book? Yeah, you need to read. <laughs> on a book. I will say, it's a really good book, but you have to be so baseball nerdy to enjoy it. Like, you just really have to love roster construction, which I and did. I'm, I read it in, like, four days, I think. I'm in it, yeah. Ed's not going to have that ready. No, Get that ready for me. Ed He's can't even show up to his show on time. How's he going to read a book in a week? <laughs> Have you changed clothes? Wardrobe <laughs> I did. I changed into a hoodie. Yeah. I did not see that coming. I didn't either. I'm sorry. So uh, you also had the competitive tax thresholds that changed. You have larger tax hits at 250 million, 270 million, 290 million. Very close to what the previous CBA had. One thing that I that, that was brought up through the negotiations that I thought that that was perhaps something that would, I don't know, limit tanking, which Rob Manfred said, we're not going to have an issue with tanking. I no, think. we know problems with tanking. Begs to differ. Again, the Reds are in Sell your whole damn team. They're uh, not tanking. Nick Crawl said they're not. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. This is strategic. I feel so bad for that guy. We'll, we'll <laughs> so get to that. Just, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But there's no floor. And I feel like you could have alleviated a lot of the problems. I don't think that the owners would have gone for it because you have teams like, oh, I don't know, the Rockies and the Reds and Tampa Bay and Oakland and Cleveland and Pittsburgh. The Rockies are trying to sign Chris Bryant right now, by the way. Can you believe that? No. Is that the guy from Middletown? No, Ed. no. The oh. Rockies are in pursuit of Chris Bryant, which is absurd on so many levels. Yeah, is that just to like draw excitement? Because like we we want fans to come watch one guy. I it makes zero sense, and honestly, Chris Bryant going there would make no sense unless he just wants to live in Colorado and hit fifty bombs. Have he's a Brady just, Anderson he's gonna be. He's going to be their DH. No, yeah, I mean, he can play like all every, over the place, but every position. You know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Maybe I'm not. Um, yeah, I am. I'm kind of surprised. Like in sports, you don't ever see like a random really good player just like um, say screw it. Like I'm, I just want to live in this situation, and I don't care about the team. It would take like a Ricky Williams, if you all re- remember him, big pot mm-hmm. guy in the NFL, yeah. like. He's the type that'd be like, oh man, like I just really love the idea of living in Colorado. Like, don't care at all. I'm gonna play for the Broncos. Like, who cares? Like, I'm surprised we haven't seen that really. He's got a dispensary in California. He makes a weekly appearance on the Dan Levitard really? show. Yeah. Who does? And he he reads people's astrology, which should surprise no one. Yeah. His 30 for 30 is good. If yes, you have it not is. seen that. Who who who? Ricky Williams. Oh, okay, gotcha. The running back for the. We're Dolphins. talking about you, Ed. Ed's dispensary. <laughs> it's right there next to my drone. Uh, my drone that I flew over Paul Brown Stadium. So, oh, again, they they don't have a floor, and now you have harsher, harsher tax, luxury tax for those who are spending entirely too much money. Looking at ULA, both of you. Um, so, what what? What do you think they could have done with the salary cap? Because 
I think that's the biggest issue with baseball is you have so much disparity between the teams that are at the top, between the teams that are at the bottom. You have, we found out today that it went public that you have $54 million in TV revenue share going to every single team this season, not counting, you know, your, like that's just national revenue share. That's not counting your local deals like Bally's for the Reds. That's not counting your radio deals. That's not counting your, advertising all over everything including the jerseys this season so like what are we i, I mean what what am i missing here like why, 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 why don't we have a, a salary floor why why do we have a salary cap that people still aren't going to give a shit about i have no idea why they don't have it i i'm a big pro salary cap in sports guy um and i could talk about that for two straight hours um i wouldn't have time for that today today. (laughs) yeah um but even like so there's ways like in other sports like kind of get around the salary floor thing too like um well the nba is is really good at it as they will just sign players to terrible contracts just to get to the floor right now in the nba oklahoma city is not at the salary floor um and the way that works is if they do not reach that by the end of the season, the difference between their total payroll right now in the salary floor, whatever that number is, gets distributed to the players. So it could be used. And I would see baseball doing this, right? Like we're going to, let's just call the salary floor 50 million reds are, or pirates are at 30 million. They're like, Oh, we're like, you know, we want to keep some of these young players why don't we just not make that salary floor and distribute the funds to them to make them, you know, happy? Like, oh wow, they really did me a solid. Um, now I I don't think that will ever happen, but yeah, I think the salary cap is something that's needed. I think it's just incredibly difficult to implement into a sport. Um, you'd have to grandfather it in. I mean, Fernando Tati signed what like a ten year deal or something. Like, are you just going to slap a salary oh. cap? 25 year deal whatever he does he's, like he's signed until he's 54 you I mean look have, at and he has multi okay quickly fernando tatis broke his wrist this week and they asked him about which motor they asked him about his motorcycle accident and he said which one yeah he said he, he's had like numerous motorcycle like minor motorcycle accidents in while well, like during the lockout i guess during the off season like just, can you imagine being like, like the owner and just sitting there and hearing him say which one and you go i mean are we talking about like straight bikes or are we talking about like dirt the, bikes well, i mean They're even like, if even if it was in his contract that he's not allowed to ride a motorcycle you can't say shit you locked them out yeah he didn't have a contract yeah that's but, true but then you you look at like i mean you talk about that but then you look at like the a's and they're they signed matt olsen to like Eight years, one hundred and sixty-eight million dollars. Braves, not the A's. That's what I meant. He came from. He he played for the A's. He he was traded yesterday, I believe, or two days ago, from the A's to the Braves, and immediately signed a contract extension. Freddie Freeman on the open market. Cincinnati Reds. No, (laughs) no shot. They already have a well, first baseman. I, I mean, we we could we could talk about that in a minute. We're down to the, the Reds silliness um one thing we didn't talk about though in the in the playoffs and with it being like a little bit different now is that there's no reseeding after the the wild card round so you could potentially have uh, a one seed playing a four and a two seed playing a six which 
I guess if you're in the playoffs at that point, you know, maybe it's not that big of a disparity, but still, you know, you're not reseeding worst to the top kind of thing. I, I yeah, I've never really been a fan of like the reseeded playoffs and in, in any sport. I just think it's I don't know. I I just don't like it. I just like the way it, you know, a you bracket just play the bracket how play. how it comes in. Yeah, you play who you play. Like that's just I I don't like the idea of the reseeding and like, could you imagine if they reseeded the NCAA tournament after every round? Like it'd be a shit show, right? Everyone's awful. brackets would be busted. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would be terrible. I don't know. I like that. I like that little the little change that they did there. And I know we uh, we here on on this show have talked about reducing the number of regular season games down to like 120. 100, 120, 124, like somewhere in that range where we're you know where baseball is being played only. And in the in the summer well, summertime, so that you're not yeah you know, you're not sitting in a in a stadium while it's snowing or so you know, the Bearcats, opening day in snow last year. So the Bearcats ran into that just the other day, and they had a game canceled against Kansas. Why did that happen? Well, let me tell you, Kansas, as part of the Big Twelve, you see, will be entering very shortly. Does not play in their, the entire conference. Will not play a game that the first pitch is below 32 degrees. Nor should you. It's baseball. Like, I'm not trying to – I mean, we, we've all swung a bat before. If you catch it at the wrong spot, it stings. Doing that under 32 degrees is terrible. I mean, there was a college game just the other day that were like – It was like it was a blizzard. Yeah. Was it Louisville? It was like like you couldn't like, – Like, really, how do you hit a baseball whenever it's like snowing sideways? I am um... – I don't think they will change the number from 162, at least not for a while. And, you know, whenever we talk about stuff like as drastic as that, we always say exactly what I just said. They won't do it because baseball is such a statistical sport. And if you start tinkering with the number of games, as we saw in 2020, you know, 60 games, it's hard to, you know, the stats are all, all, you know, so drastically different. Um, I, I just don't think baseball people would want that. Um, Evan, of course, says he wants 200 games. That's because you don't leave your house, Evan. Joey Votto uh, said that a couple years ago, didn't he? He did. He did. I think I have the sound clip somewhere on this computer. Personally, I I don't really have much of an opinion. Like I'd, I'd watch it either way of whatever it is. I just don't think it will happen, but... If We've always want, said that it won't change. This won't I change. Mean, it does change. And, you know, 10 years later, no one could care less. About and a lot change. of the, like a lot of these, a lot of the arguments that agents make, you know, for paying their guy more, you know, whatever is are based off of statistics. And then when you, when you skew it, I can see that when you skew it by, you know, less games, like you're, you're messing with those numbers potentially inflating them to the point where, you know, you're like, well, he, he's, you know, looks like he's way better than he is. And you sign these crazy deals that there needs yeah. to be, you know, like when we talked about the salary cap, the other thing I was going to bring up was there was an agent and obviously like they have a different point of view on things, but they brought up the fact that a salary cap uh, in the MLB, I guess the way the NFL does it is like, there's a also like some revenue sharing that goes on that, requires the owners to open their books and the owners in the MLB, their books are all closed. And so there's not this like free flowing amount of information about how much a team is really making and how much, you know, 
Are they really sitting on this big pot of money that they have that they could be spending to make their team better, but instead they're keeping it for themselves? Or is it a situation where really they are cash strapped, but right now the books are all closed. So you've got everybody like us who believe, you know, they've got the money. Why aren't you spending it to make your team better? And, you know, we're still sitting in the stands, you know, cheering on, you know, double A and triple A guys. Forbes, yeah. Forbes, Forbes reported that the Reds lost $47 million last season. There was a tweet that said that. Forbes.com wrote an entire article about it. No, no, that's about, no. Thank you. Are you, are you talking about the Jeff Passon tweet about when, when he sent out the screenshot of of the like tables of money and accounting? Twitter had a field day trying to explain to him why what all these no. numbers mean. No. So, so Jeff, I, I wanted to touch on what you said. First, the NFL salary cap is not a hoax, but it's damn near one. Um, and it's different in the NFL with the salary cap. And this, it's a lot more complicated. Um, but they don't have guaranteed contracts, right? So we see it all the time. A three-year deal in the NFL a lot of times is structured as a one-year deal. And you have an amount of dead cap. You save, you know, $6 million deal for each year for three years. But in reality, year two, you either get cut with $400,000 dead cap. They put on what they call dummy years at the end. So it's built-in dead cap if you want to move right. on. Um, I mean, they turn base salaries into signing bonuses. They they circumvent the salary cap of the NFL. It, I mean, you truly have to like specialize in NFL salary cap to understand all of it. I was going to say, like, especially now with like, and we'll talk about, you know, the Bengals later on, but like, especially with them being competitive and starting to spend money and things and being like, oh, weird. Look much, like, look at this money that they've got. Like, who can they sign? And you see some of these contracts coming out and you're like, well, I don't, I don't exactly understand how that hits. And like, well, you know, if we cut this guy and this guy, we're going to save this much in the salary cap. We can turn it around here. Yeah. So quickly. <laughs> Uh, not, not to talk about the NFL, but very quickly, those deals that are reported always ne- never go off the original reported deal. The reason why is because agents report incentives because they want to get out my player signed four years, $100 million. In reality, it's four years, $60 million, up to $100 million, but it's how the agent projects himself. I'm, I got my player $100 million. You know what I mean? So the, the right. NFL thing and salary cap is such a ridiculous thing, and we cannot go down it because it's so I, complicated. I will say I, ha- I do feel like I've been seeing a lot more like things where it, they have gar- some guarantees. like guaranteed Yeah, so money they're guaranteed and- X amount of salary, um, and that's protection for the player if they were to get right. cut. Um, but in reality, half of the contracts that are reported are not anything close to – the actual money that it will be. There's likely incentives as well, which you have to factor in. If, if or we, uh, that, that's I'm ready to move hole. on. I don't that's, see that's, a, that's a rabbit hole we don't need to go down. <laughs> Sign so, Joe Burrow now. <laughs> <laughs> so, in essence, the the minor leaguers did come out ahead from where they were in the new CBA. Um, to where. Maybe these guys aren't going to have to be four to a hotel room. Maybe they're not going to have to be eating ramen and macaroni and cheese every night as they're trying to somehow also build strength to continue playing the game of baseball while eating 
dollar cheeseburgers from McDonald's. Yeah, the hard thing about the minor league life is the time. So you get to the ballpark at, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock. By the time you get home, it's late. And the only thing available is Uber Eats or whatnot. And what, you know, they're not delivering a salad from a good salad place. I mean, you you know what I mean? There's only so many options. And it's just a constant struggle. I've talked to um, a couple of minor league players moms who have told me these stories of how it's like nearly impossible to cook and um the the you know their their living situations are tough getting a lease and then your roommates get called up or traded and next thing you know you're on the hook it's the amount of stress alone of being a minor leaguer um in terms of just living your life is a lot so yeah the minor leaguers are going to be um better off, which I think is something that everyone's been kind of looking for for a few years. I, I think some of the things that are included are, are even meals at this point now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's no huge, huge for them. Um, there's also five options now to the minors before you hit the waivers, which mm-hmm. that's going to be a big deal. Although you do have expanded rosters now, I believe the number is what, 27, if I'm not mistaken, 26. I'm actually not sure on that. Caught play off guard. Wow. Nick Kirby. Who who the hell is Nick Kirby? (laughs) I thought it was Nick Kroll or something. Oh, man. Hey, but um, on that, the five minor league options, I do want to talk about that. That's good and bad. Hang on, Clay. Um, Hang on, Clay. Hey, Nick, we got your guy before, uh, before you could get him to talk to CBA. We, we beat you. The thing is, he was our guy first. Nick Nick uh, has not asked me on to talk about the CBA. But um, to be honest with you, talking about the CBA is not nearly as fun as the topics we were get to. But So I'll try to speed through this. But the five minor league options things I actually think is bad. And the reason why is because you can just hold on to certain players longer that maybe should get a different chance. Now there's the rule five and there's arbitration and whatnot, but um, that's the negative part of it, right? You can just send players up and down for a much longer time before exposing them to, to waivers. Positive is maybe some players are going to get more of an opportunity um, knowing that you can send them down a couple more times before going to waivers. They're more likely to call them up um, if need be, instead of signing somebody off the streets or, bringing up a, you know, a Mike Freeman or whatever. I don't know. Um, God, I shit on Mike Freeman every single podcast <laughs> I go on anywhere. I don't know why. He's just who the was, first name to come who, to mind. Who was the, the, the outfielder <laughs> that got sent to Japan last year that Red's Twitter liked to shit on? Oh, Scott oh. Heineman. Yeah, that yeah. Thing came at me. Like, buddy. <laughs> he did. He, he tried to attack Clay on <laughs> <laughs> He literally was tweet. Uh, he tweeted at me. I did not tag him. I said his name. He tweet. He's tweeting at me. I said, "You have a game in two hours, Scott, and you're searching your name on Twitter. Like, what the hell? No wonder why you're in the minors. Go to batting practice. You need it." He's, he's one of those guys know, that in Japan. His name. Oh my god. That's funny. See how angry. Like, I'm, so happy I, I'm so happy I brought that guy up. 
Scott that, that was That's one of my favorite Twitter interactions of all time. It was hilarious. Clay, like, Clay tweeted it out, and then he was in the right in the mentions, like, right away. I think, so, um, I don't know if I said this or not. So, I was in Kansas City, and this is when the Reds were in Kansas City. I was yeah, there it's when you game. went to the uh, Sizzler. So, I was in Kansas City, and this is when the Reds were there. And I remember sitting there thinking, should I send a picture of the stadium and say, I'm here and you're not? And I thought I was going to. And I was like, I was like, dude, no. Like, he's just going to tell me about how, like, he's made the major leagues and I haven't. Um, oh, so I, I didn't do that. Um, at least I don't think I did. But I, I remember thinking, like, man, I should just go all in. Yeah. I should tell him, like, I'm in Kansas City and you're searching your name from a you know eating a pb and j before the bats came <laughs> he has a lot more money than me so right. i mean you were you were gonna make a point before nick kirby uh, before i started gloating to nick kirby that we had you and he didn't i made my point about the options that's all i had to say it's a okay. positive and negative i'm gonna be interested to see how it's actually used um this is like the CNL Perez thing where like he's just up and down all year. Like, yeah. Well, there's the, also a service time that they, they fixed some of the service time where now like the top two rookie of the years, uh, top two rookie of the year vote getters get a full year of service time. Teams get compensatory picks for carrying any guy that finishes in the top three in rookie of the year, MVP, Cy Young, etc. Yeah. Like, does that really know, do like, anything? To not keep... the MVP or the Cy Young. Let's be real. Like, I the... mean, anyone that's good enough to be in the top three of those votings is going to be on the team. So, likely their service. The only thing it'll affect will their will be their next contract. But it's be not going to affect the... like a lot of you know calling up or sending down people. I don't think. Um, or I don't know. That it's... I I think that that would just make a team like the Cubs some years back with Chris Bryant. That would that would just make them wait longer to make sure he doesn't get rookie yeah, of the year it, votes. Like right, like, I, I, you know, on the front end through, of things, like get through the first it, two three months and then uh, bring him up instead of sending somebody like that. It's the top five in MVP and Cy Young, which you know it stretches a little bit. But if you've got a you know a rookie that's up that's going to land in the top five of MVP or Cy Young, he's going to land in the top three in rookie of the year. Right. Uh, voting so and then you get so they get maybe a, an extra year service time counted for them and then you get a an extra pick but that doesn't really stretch out along you know what i mean like i don't feel like that affects what some most teams are going to do with with their up-and-coming talent if they're good enough to be up and get those kind of votes they're going to be up for the season like they're not going to send them down and leave them down. I think if you start more than 20 games in a season and it'd be five for pitchers, that should count as your first year. Like you're up there actually helping the team. This happens in, in hockey as well. So in hockey, if you play more than nine games, you start your entry level contract. So it happens in hockey where a player will play nine games and then go back to juniors and nobody complains about it the way that they do in baseball and the reason why is because your entry-level contracts three years in hockey so why don't do something with that structure in baseball if if you want to incentivize people to be brought up earlier or stick instead of having these like 28 years of arbitration and team control 
probably a different topic for a different day. We're 43 minutes of CBA talk uh, and haven't even talked about the Seattle mayor. I mean, the <laughs> I like how Ed just continues to get dumped on. All right. So. All right. I really wish we could delete that. <sighs> so, okay. We've made it past the CBA. And the Reds are in shambles. You didn't talk about the draft lottery, did you? Can oh, we no, talk we about didn't. that at the end? Yeah, we can do that at the end. Okay. We can bring that up at the end. I know you really want to Is anybody get watching yet. anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Chat is. <laughs> He's really enjoying the show, guys. Yeah, so well, the Reds. It's better when your knee isn't knocking your desk. I didn't realize it. I'm sorry. I just stopped. Appreciate it. <laughs> So the Reds are in shambles. And are they though? It's well, let's go, let's go back to where this all started. The Reds trade Tucker Barnhart. Good with it because you have a younger, better catcher. Literally already here. Not even waiting in the wings. He's already here. Younger, better catcher. Cheaper, even. You also have Wade Miley, who I feel like the Reds just completely mishandled at the end there. Didn't get Maybe any. Clay can explain that a little better so I can actually like understand what people were talking about with like eating, eating. I guess they owed him like a million dollars to, uh, they owed him like a million bucks to, to keep him around to trade him or they could Are release him. Are you talking him. about Wade Miley? Yeah. Yeah. I think what happened with the Reds there was. Yes, so they would have had to take on a little bit of money or they could have picked up his option, right, $10 million. Um, I don't think that there were the suitors that everyone thought that there would be. Um, and simply, now granted, I think somebody would have t- taken him on um, for something. I, I don't know. That situation was so weird. And it's hard yeah. to say because there wasn't a lot that I could find or think of off the top of my head that's like, Oh yeah, I remember this this you know exact situation in the past with some other player on some other team. Like it was bizarre, um, but even Tucker got you know a in my opinion a C level prospect for him. Um, maybe Miley's age, soft you know pitches to soft contact. People just weren't wanting to spend ten million on that, which was, is I don't agree with. I know, and that's the thing. I'm just trying to work through the thought process. Yeah, there was I mean, one. He, he had his know, own fan club here. here. He did so have I don't know club. about Wade Miley. Moving off Tucker was smart. I Great. love the fit with Detroit. I love it. Um, Detroit's Tucker. a good a, a good team right now. They're not great. They're on the come up. They're they also have a young catcher, Dylan Dingler, who I'm really high on, and I think he's going to be great to work with. Um, with Tucker and you know, he's in a position to play a mentor role again and get more at bats than he would have gotten Cincinnati. It's a win-win for both sides. So then you also have more recently than Wade Miley. Uh, the Reds move on from Sonny Gray earlier this week. They pick up an 18 year old by the name of Chase Petty. He was, I believe the 26th, if I'm not mistaken, um, overall pick in the 2021 draft um, and, and 
you also throw in Francis Paguero from from the Reds, who I've not not even heard of. I didn't yeah. even know he was in our system. I don't believe his name is even on MLB The Show, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest. So he's he's all right. There's your there's your bag of balls, literally. Um. So the the Reds make a move, and then you have that followed up by another move, which is if we're reading between the leaves. Uh, it sounds like the fire sale is on and it sounds like the only ones that haven't been yet traded and we'll see what happens before week's end, before the all-star break, however it ends up going. Um, Luis Castillo, wouldn't be surprised to see him go. I don't know that you can move Joey Votto, but he'd be another big number. I would think you'd have to package him with a younger guy or two to get that number off your books if you're really that just dead set on getting his number off your books. Uh, and then you also have uh, the the, uh, oh, the third baseman. Um, Mike Moose. Moose. Yeah, Moose. Um, so Tyler Malley as well is another option that could be true. Sure. I mean, considering – I mean, I, I guess we're trying to get to the point where Ken Griffey Jr. is actually your highest paid player this year. Yeah. He's number six right now. By the way, I did not know we were still paying Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure he's the, I, I want to say we're still paying Bronson Arroyo as well. It's just not that number. Yeah. That's a lot to unpack, Clay. So why don't you start? Yeah. With, so why don't uh, I do this? Chase why don't I Petty? start with the Sonny Gray trade and we can talk about that. Then we go into the Winker Suarez. Try and sell us on why we should be excited about any of this. Okay. So I wrote back in December for just baseball about the Reds off season plan and one of my first things was to trade Sonny Gray and I as many people know um, am pretty positive I'm not even necessarily positive everyone thinks I'm positive and optimistic because I'm not negative um, I, I just try not to get mad on Twitter over I things think, I can't control I think that you are sneakily the trolliest of the of the of the trolls, hundred I, I do troll sometimes, and people don't pick up on it. But it doesn't matter because I you know have exactly the receipts it. for days. Yeah, on all of us, all through all of us in this in this podcast. <laughs> I will right let now. a little secret out to anyone that watches or listens to this. If it's a tweet that I know, I could somehow slam you in the future. I bookmark it, um, so I have plenty of a- ammo. Um, but let's get to the Sonny Gray trade. I thought it was time to move off from him, um, mostly because, you know, there's been some injury concerns. He had a really attractive contract, and he's a he is a good pitcher. I don't think he's on the decline. I don't think um, the Reds couldn't have used him. I just know that if you wanted to make this team better, because there were flaws, and they needed a bat, they maybe needed a a center fielder, you know, there's other things that they needed trade from a position of strength starting pitching. They have Lodolo green Ashcraft. They were some players that they could fill in. You could sign somebody there if you needed a vet to eat innings. It just all made sense with his contract being 10 million plus the 12 million option, essentially a two year contract. You could get an attractive piece back. And that was my whole mentality. Get out a year early as opposed to a year late, as we saw with the last rebuild, where the Reds waited too long to trade everyone, essentially. 
Um, the return, I'm not going to lie. Um, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, and I'm not going to act, you know, I feel like I probably have a better grasp on some of these prospects than the average person who's on Twitter. And everyone reacting immediately, just like saying like, oh, this is a shit return. Like, dude, you've never seen Chase Petty throw a baseball. Like, shut up. He's so 18 does that years mean that old. you have Ed's tweet saved? I actually didn't. So I, I, was, I was out fly fishing all day. <laughs> he, has a lot of, he has a lot of my tweets saved. They just show up randomly in the group chat. Yeah, I do have one of yours. Um, that's hilarious. That's just like, can we end this now? And I don't know when I'll use it, but I will eventually out of context. But Chase Petty, I mean, he has a good fastball. He's 18 or yeah, 18 years old, plus fastball, plus slider. Um, and you can go on about what he has. The reality is high school pitchers who throw fast are the number one bust percentage of any position. And that is why I think a lot of people were upset is because it truly is a lottery ticket. Um, I did not get to read that comment. So if that was something about this, there is, um, Chase Petty is a lottery ticket and he's years and years and years away. Um, I think that they had him at 2025. The graphic, uh, however, they he used. is a good prospect. Aram updated the just baseball top 10 for the Reds this afternoon, and he slotted in number six. Um, and to give you an idea, okay, what's that mean? Well, Ellie De La Cruz, who everyone's geeking about, is number five. And number seven is Alan Serta, who I've talked about plenty on here. So he's a good prospect. I personally was just thinking they would go a different direction with the return. That one's fine. I want to hear what you all have to think about Sonny before we go on to the next trade because I, I, I think it's interesting. But I did not think that they would get a massive return. Um, I just thought, okay, well, here's a lottery ticket, you know, first-round draft pick. I mean, okay, that's fine. I mean, I, I, I liked Sonny. And I know there's been some there's been some conversation over in the, in the chat about how he you – know, he, did have some like some shoulders, some back stuff that's happened that's kept him out. That's you know prevented him from making some starts. His Twitter likes were suspect. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about any of that. Um, you are lucky you don't. But yeah, I, I fall in the same <laughs> boat with Clay. That like it was a good time to move on, and it is one of those things where like if you look back at the last rebuild or restructuring or whatever you know they want to call it the biggest complaint from every Reds fan, like if you go back to Twitter back then, like was that they waited too long to move anybody and they got nothing back. Brandon Whereas, Phillips, Aroldis Chapman. Right. Um, so, and Aroldis Chapman was a special situation, but it is what it is. Whereas like you, so you move on from Sonny Gray, you get this Chase Petty kid. I mean, we got, I don't know who that other guy was, Paguero or whatever that we talked about. It. He's just an extra guy that got thrown in. Um, Clay actually shared a graphic from um, one of the, I guess the the scouting of him when he was in high school that mentioned his plus fastball, his plus slider, his plus changeup that he projected to be you know, a a pretty workhorse you know pitcher in your lineup in your in your rotation 
Or he could be, if he can't develop another pitch, he could be a, a pretty dominant guy out of the bullpen if, if he can get his command under control. He's 18 years old. That's something they could work on. Like Clay says, he's a lottery ticket. Um, and it, that one, that gra- specific graphic, I think, projected him at like 2026, 20, which obviously, as Reds fans, we look at that and we're like, okay, you get rid of a guy that can start games tomorrow and you're bringing a guy in that's not going to start games for four years from now maybe three if he comes up a little bit early if he moves along in the in the minors at that that pace the biggest the biggest issue i have with all of this with with any of this going back to wade miley and, and the mishandling of that contract going back to maybe not tucker but i mean certainly talking about sunny gray is it's the beginning of the end and this team had a, a roster that if you go back and you re-sign Nick Castellanos, which I, we're, I, we haven't even talked about how the Reds didn't even reach out to his agent, which is beyond we'll, me. We'll get yeah, to that. We'll, we'll get there. But what was 2014 through 2019 for? Like, Ed, knee. Goodness. In the middle of a rant. But what was it for when we're, we're being sold on this rebuild and everyone's trying to buy in? We've heard rebuild before. I mean, pretty much anything post-1990 through the 90s outside of, what, 96, I think. Um, it's, it's been just a shit show, a giant shit show. And they, they don't know what they're doing with a roster to the point where all of a sudden the fire sale is on. But we never we, we, we didn't ever really get contention. The, the rebuild never completed. It, they just left an abandoned building without the, the anyone ever getting there. It, it just It's maddening that they just don't know how to rebuild. Even though they continue to sell us on a rebuild, they can't actually get the rebuild complete. You had a team that, that, won, that won, what, 83 games last year? And... You know, there there were some holes that they needed to fill. Shortstop was not one. Nick Kirby, uh, we love Kyle Farmer here at PTP. Kyle uh, Farmer's a man. <laughs> but uh, obviously that's just a, a, a joke that's been no, not. going for a year. But um, you, you've got this team that potentially everyone, at least Reds fans, look at it and say, if you just go add a couple pieces, you've got a team that, that could make a run. Right, like you've got a team that they were they were in it. If there wasn't an epic collapse at the end of the year, and how I mean, how do you make more off. money if you're if you're trying to run a business? How do you make more money in the business of sports? Put a winning team on the field, or more bobbleheads. No, so I, I I do want to touch on the rebuild and how it went sideways. There's two things that jump off the page to me. First thing is the Moustakas contract. That contract just didn't work out. It wasn't a bad idea. It was aggressive. They overpaid because that's what you had to do. When you're rebuilding, you usually have to overpay the first player to show the others in free agency, you know, okay, maybe they are going to be serious. They overpaid a little bit, and that one just didn't work out, and that's okay. Not all of them will. The biggest issue with me was – the fact that the, you know, the Castellanos um, contract having the opt outs was the only way to get him to Cincinnati, and it's 
it's part of, I mean, if you still had him for two more years, do you think this would all be happening? Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, they if would he was probably guaranteed for two more him. years here. You mean, as opposed to right. having these like, Oh, you know, if he wants to leave, he can leave with. Right. No... That's what I'm saying. If it was just straight up four year contract, instead of these opt outs, um, maybe you aren't trying to rebuild. Maybe you do add, I don't know. It all comes, you know, every, if you said no, they would just trade him. Like I, there's nothing I can do to argue that. Cause that's what evidence is kind of showing. Um, and it really didn't work out. And maybe they're saying as ownership, okay, the last one, we we really screwed up because we waited far too long and we got Dilson Herrera. We got, um, you know, Rookie Davis and John Lamb. And we got trash um, returns. And it just those didn't work out. Nothing panned out with the last rebuild. If they think that could, there's one thing that needs to be said too, this team had flaws. Every team does, sure, but it wasn't like this was some perfect team or anything like that. Um, they had to add to get to the playoffs. Um, it, if they wanted to get to the playoffs next year, they would have had to add in several spots. I think that's what they should have done. I'm not saying they should have rebuilt. But I think what's happening with ownership is not only, yes, they're being cheap, but they also saw what happened with the last rebuild and how much of a hole it dug them into. And they're trying, oh, shit, well, I don't want to do that again. We need to sell high on these guys and see if we can kind of recoup. And what my article talks about that's coming out tomorrow on JustBaseball.com is this isn't a 20, what? 14 through 19 or five. This isn't a five-year rebuild and it won't be. It doesn't have to be. I guess they could make it one if they want it to be. India, Stevenson, Lodolo, Green, Williamson. Um, Sinzel's still around. Who knows what he'll be. Everyone knows how I feel about Sinzel. So <laughs> but I have to add him because he's a top two, what, two pick and he's still oh, under team okay. control and young. I mean, and, and potentially okay. Moustakas could turn things around this year. So my thing is 2024. That's what they're building towards. That's two years down the road. Um, I'm not saying this to make people feel good or make people say, but you can't oh, be yeah. mad at anybody that's that's out on this team this year. Why would why would oh. anyone want to line anyone in the Castellini ownership group? Why would anyone want to give any money into their pocket right now? Yeah. And I, I think my, I think a lot of the the like Obviously, like the, a lot of the anger that that comes out of this fan base, for one, is like, a, it's such a storied franchise, and like everybody that is a, a Reds fan, like through and through, is like, you know, we look back fondly on lots of the things that this organization has done, and it's failed to do to replicate those things on a consistent basis ever. It seems like, and then you go into a rebuild from fourteen to nineteen. And you're told like things things here are gonna get better. We're gonna have championships when the when Castellini bought the team, and he's like, you know, we're bringing championships back here. We're gonna do these things, and then they don't. And then you've got a guy like Dick Williams, who it seems like you know he was doing a a decent job or like building things in, in a way, and then he, he's just out. Like he just he's like, oh, I think I'm gonna go like you know fishing. Fly fishing and not get bothered by baseball anymore because they told him um, he had to trade everybody. Right, so you've got that, and then you install this guy 
Nick Crawl, and like I don't, you know, whatever he he doesn't seem to be able to put into words the thoughts he has in his head without like making the fan base feel like the the team is just gonna you know run a you know Florence y'alls out there because he to can't play tell against the major truth. league competition. He can't tell the truth because if he did, he's a PR nightmare. I mean, he seriously is. That, he, that, he has not said anything that's comfortable. He has not said anything that's safe. It's it's truly disturbing to he's think. From, so he's from the Manfred School of of communication. But, <laughs> but I, I want to focus spent. on one thing about all of these trades, and we could sit here all night and say, you know, we just how, miss you, Clay. We we just miss you. <laughs> we we could sit here all night and talk about how bad the Reds are for doing this. And I agree, but that's not going to do much for us. So what what I think we should just focus on is okay. Now that we know this is the direction they're going. What do they need to do between now and their next contention window? And if that's two years in 2024, Votto off the books, Moustakis off the books, they don't have a single person under contract right now through 2024. You have players under our arbitration. That could be a team with a low payroll. And I'm not trying to like hype this up, get everyone interested. I'm just saying like I'm painting a picture of what the future could look like. 2024 is a legitimate beginning of contention window where you saw in 2019 you add all those free agents that could happen in 2024 Votto likely retires he'll be what 42 41 Moustakas is gone and you right now my main focus what I want to see the next two seasons is okay if Jonathan India is the real deal buy out his arbitration go ahead and pay get him under contract be smarter like that if you're the front office and you want to show something to fans, show show that you're being proactive. Show that you're being proactive by getting Stevenson under contract. Green, Lodolo, all the young arms. Barrero needs to start a shortstop. Get them their reps in 2022. Let them learn. Because the way it works is prospects come up and everyone thinks, not everyone, but a lot, a lot of people think, oh, Hunter Green, bring him in to the rotation. He's going to be what he is projected to be in year one. And that doesn't happen. Let him get his lumps year one, year two. If you look at most successful MLB players, once they start getting a couple years into the league is when they start to actually hit their peak, right? Hunter Green wasn't... Show you what they are. Hunter Green Green wasn't good in 2022 on MLB The Show. Just saying. Oh, my God. So, okay, if we can trade Hunter Green... That translates to real baseball real well. Just saying. Yeah, Ian Happ is like awesome on the show, and Ian Happ is so a bear cat is what he is. He's a bear cat. Is he really? Yes. Wow. But like my my biggest thing is like so like that that's what we sit here and talk about, right? We're saying that this looks like a rebuild. It sounds like a rebuild. You've got them saying that they need to align things with their resources. Which want to get rid of peaks and valleys. Which tells you would like Aaron says you stop crying poor. Uh, eliminating peaks and valleys, like it, it just all sounds like all of these excuses about it. And there, there is theoretically a a positive light in that thought of let's not, you know, drop way down here for so long and they go go up for a year and then we're back down here for five years and we. Whereas you know maybe we just keep it higher longer by having guys to you know in the farm system to replace and the money to to bring guys in when we need to bring guys in 
And then you've got Nick Crawl who's like, oh, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This isn't a rebuild. Like, we're going to be active in the free agent market. Like, we're we're looking in the free agent market. This isn't a rebuild. Like, like what is it? Like, what? just come out and say what you're doing. The, the fans, while we might not like it, we certainly don't like what we're seeing and being told now. Just be honest about it. Tell us what, what the plan is. What the Is it 2024? Like, is, is Clay Snowden right? Is 2024 the, the target year that we're looking for to have a team that is, you know, looking at potentially winning a World Series? Or is is it maybe 2026 when a guy like Chase Petty's coming up? Like, what is it? How do these pieces fit in to the plan that we are building and, and working towards? Because nobody understands, and that's why you got kids standing out in front of Great American Ballpark holding like picket signs about sell the team bomb. It's this is means nothing, but I think it's so funny. Like just the fact that his name's Bob just makes it all sound like even more of a joke. You know, if his name was like Douglas, it would sound so much worse. But just Bob, <laughs> sell like, the team, Douglas, so made up. I mean, there, there, was, on, a, there was a. I will say there was a great sign down there that said like this. This is the worst Bob the Builder ever. Like, <laughs> wow yeah that's 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 actually pretty i, I think funny. that's i think honestly that's what a lot of like fans honestly we're, we're fed up with not having a direction and feeling like the team doesn't know where they're going and and they keep coming out with like we're being lied the, to that's, the, that's the, the sound bites that like you said sound horrible pr nightmare and we just you know own up to it we were told that peaks and valleys is stupid because you know people are going to take that way too literal. That's just a term he wants to use for inconsistency, really. He should have said that because then people are going to say, as they did, oh, you want to eliminate the peaks? Like, obviously, no. He just does not know how to talk. We're we're um, in the we're still in the valley and it's getting deeper. Yeah. Right. So yeah. <laughs> but we need to like talk it's... about the move with Jed with with Jesse Winker. Yes. And Sorry, we I had to rant. And we went off on a on a tangent here with that. But then you had the you know Winker and Suarez yeah. to the Mariners. So in this move, so the Reds get, and again, I want to clarify this because people think I'm just the most optimistic, and and people are coming at me. Twitter's the only place in the world where you get trashed for being positive, but it's not, not even that I'm optimistic. I'm not I'm not typically going to get angry and mad over things i cannot control i'll get sad and i am sad that the reds are doing this but i'm not gonna like sit there and like come at people in a way that's like demoralizing now if you tell me you're never gonna watch the reds again i'm just gonna search your twitter for bingles and pull up a tweet from last year when you said you're never gonna watch the bingles again jeff which i've done to several that. people Fairweather fans okay this trade i'm never gonna watch the Bengals again Justin Dunn was a top 100 prospect, um, maybe 2017 or 18. Last year was supposed to be his kind of time to be in the rotation for the Mariners. And I watched a few of his starts. Um, I watched a ton of Mariners baseball last year. It's the, the funnest team to watch. I bet you're watching and, a lot more this year too. Yeah, he, he has good stuff. That's also I not think a word, he's kind of like – he was. Thunder. He was to the Mariners what Vlad Gutierrez is to the Reds. Exciting young player, not perfect, has good breaking stuff. Um, I think he's very, very similar. He's going to slot in right away. 
um, into this rotation and have a chance. Now he's been injured some, so I don't know where he is on that, but um, I I don't think he's going to be bad. I don't think that like people are going to think, you know, this is not a Jeff Hoffman. Um, And this is a trade where people were saying, you know, we want now, I know this is different, but you know, you want players who can help you now and in the future, this is a trade that does accomplish that, even though you're trading pieces that would help you now. So um, but these aren't 18 year olds, right? The, this is something that you can say, okay, well, at least they're getting some pieces that can help us this year. Um, Jake Fraley is going to be a, a guy that fans are going to really enjoy watching. Um, I'm not ready to say he's the Derek Dietrich fan favorite. Like I was say, I we've heard this come from you before, Clay. Yeah, I, I like picking players who I think will be fan favorites. Well, you just got rid of two fan favorites. So there's plenty of room for a new one. <laughs> Jake Fraley can play all outfield positions, more of a corner guy. Um, he's a good fielder, though. He's he's one of those guys. He's kind of like a TJ Friedel. This guy. Um, projection, you, can... only only just a better version of him. Ed, can you pull up a picture of Drake Fraley? I yeah, absolutely am right now. I feel, I, feel like, I feel like if he's a top five handsome red, then he automatically he, becomes a fan favorite. Aaron, he's, he's got a rocking beard. You you might he might be a top five handsome handsome red right here. Uh little bit so what he does point. is he doesn't have a oh yeah, he's got a lot going a, on there. That's a main. Let's yeah. say look at that main on him. He um is also really good friends with Reds 40 man roster Riley O'Brien. They both came up in the Tampa organization. Oh, yeah, um, I've heard of him. However, he is, yeah, he pitched one game against the White Sox last year, but that's never heard of him. Fraley. Him. He's a good defender. Like I said, ev- everything you think about TJ Friedel, he's just a little bit better, in my opinion, um, than him. So he'll he'll play a bunch that this year, I think. Um, and then the last one was Brandon Williamson. And this is a guy who I like a lot. And six, I've wanted the rest lefty. of the target. What's that? He's 6'6 six, six lefty who played with uh, Nick Lodolo. He's a 6'6 lefty. He played with um, Lodolo. At is he a starter? He is a starter. And everyone, and of course, I've said this before. I'll say it again. When you see a trade like this, do not type in Mariners top prospects and say, Oh, we only got the seventh best prospect. That's the literally the most loaded system in the MLB. Is he a crafty lefty? Just to give you, he, I'll, I'll um, is he a soccer so player? Those of you who don't know, on the there's a twenty eighty scale, right? Twenties low, eighties like elite. Um, he has a sixty five future curveball grade on that, so he he has a good curveball. 55 fastball, 55 slider, 55 command. Solid, solid pitcher all around. He is already as RM updated the top 10 Reds. He's number three in the Reds. A young young Wade Miley. Um, No. Uh, He's ahead of Matt McClain and just under Hunter Green. Uh, But what he is is he's 23 years old and he's ready. Uh, I don't think he'll start opening day like on the roster. But he'll definitely pitch with the Reds this year, and he, I mean, some he of his spring pitches, training invite. Google him on Twitter. What's that? He he's he, he was a what a non roster invitee to to spring training already. Yeah, yeah, he'll be in in um, spring camp. But if you just search his name on Twitter and click videos, you'll find um, from an account called, I believe it's like Mariners Miners, 
fantastic follow if you have any interest in the Mariner system, by the way. But um, he just has some nasty stuff. And I, I don't see I, – I, I could see this guy being a future three for the Reds. Like Lodolo, Green, however you want to put it, Williamson. Like I could see that, you know, if they got got r- rid of other pitchers. But well, and lefties I'm really to, high on him. Lefties are hard he's to come by anyway. To, yeah. And he's – you know what? He's close to competing. And if 2024 is there, like I think it is, you bring in a guy who's going to be 25 then, could have a year and a half, you know, 40, 45 starts under his belt by then. Um, I understand why they went after those targets. Now, what did they give up? Jesse Winker and Suarez. And, you know, the Suarez thing was kind of a salary dump, change of scenery for him. I think it's kind of honestly kind of doing Suarez a favor here. Um, the Mariners need a third baseman. Right now it's Abraham Toro, who is not a starting caliber first baseman. You get you send him off and just let him get a fresh start somewhere. Um, and Winker is a perfect fit for the Mariners. They have a lot of variety bats in the outfield slash DH. They need a DH. Um, Luis Torrens cannot be your, you know, DH or I guess Hanniger is in right field. But well, so Safeco is a. It's not, is it, is it Safeco right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or no, um, it's um, it's T-Mobile Park now. Okay. So stadium I, I the Mariners play I in. Can't ever keep up. Good lord. <laughs> um it's a that's a deep park though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that either of these guys are going to mash in that park. And Winker being your left fielder, if if he does see any time, I, I think he slots in better as the DH, to your point. Uh, but if he sees any time in that outfield, that's a big outfield <laughs> compared <laughs> to compared to Art Park. Yeah, they have several outfield options that could just push him to the bench i mean julio rodriguez is 19 or 20 years old best prospect in baseball or top three no matter where you look he'll be in the outfield somewhere um they still have taylor trammell as a depth option they have mitch hanniger kyle lewis i mean they have plenty of options um to play in the outfield so i i think he's going to primarily be a dh that division has a lot of starters who are right-handed so he's going to have every you know every opportunity to be successful. And honestly, I just think it's a really good trade for those two players to go to a team. That's exciting. It's a total change of scenery. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for them, especially for Suarez, who I just think really needed a fresh start. Um, and is the return, you know, the one issue with trading them to the Mariners is everyone, even if you don't follow prospects, has an idea of who who Julio Rodriguez is or George Kirby. We were not getting either one of those, no matter what. That's next to untouchable. Um, Suarez has flaws. Winker has flaws. They're both really good pitcher, or excuse me, really good players, but neither one of them were ever going to get a return that high. uh, Like an elite or yeah, like an elite level package was never yeah, coming and, back. And some to this people guys. are saying, "Oh, well, we we should have gone after Hancock, who's ranked right above Williamson." Well, if you've watched Hancock at all, um, he was pretty inconsistent last year and didn't look great. And I I think Williamson even jumped him in a few r- rankings in the Mariner or yeah the Mariner system. I I think the return is useful, 
Um, it fills some needs now and in the future. I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, this is a great trade for the Reds. I'm just saying it, it could have been a lot worse than this in terms of just my my initial reaction from it. Um, the guys that just baseball love it. And those are guys who are intelligent about baseball, un, un, understand trades like no one did, I've seen. Did and Jeff they're not Reds fans. And they said it's a win-win. So Did Jeff Conine love it? Um, I will have – I'm – you know, maybe Arm will ask him, but because um, if he loves it, then maybe maybe I feel a little bit different. But I, mean, I I think people saw it and said, you know, well they were they everybody saw Suarez Winker gone, yeah. full stop. I don't care what we got back yep, if it's not exact. if it's not you know their number one you know prospect oh. or you know, whatever like. I, I don't care because we're losing we're losing these two guys that I I love to root for in a Cincinnati Reds uniform as opposed to you know let's look at it objectively no it, everybody's looking at it in a very emotional way because for one everybody like we've talked about everybody is is upset with the Reds we didn't expect a rebuild already again they can do like the Reds the Reds currently can do nothing right I'm telling you that right now they're like short of them going out and like announcing that like you know, they signed Freddie Freeman and Nick Cassianos and Chris Bryant and every single free agent that's out there that has a big name that people recognize. The the Reds can cannot fix this situation with the, the PR nightmare that has started they, as Clay they called could, it. Like he, they could sell the team. And, and and you know what? Like obviously, like, you know, okay, maybe that is a victory, but like, you know, if they if they sell the team to somebody that comes in and does the exact same stuff, like is that a you know? Is that a a win? Do you sell it to somebody that you know they don't really care about anything well, other than lining their pockets? And we're in the Bezos. same situation. You're How often the, do you actually see an owner of a sports team sell? You're, the you're reason getting, why they typically sell is if they absolutely go bankrupt, and what that has to do with is their initial source of income, right? Well, so according if, to according to Willie Willie Cunningham, uh, he's losing twenty million a year. Yeah, well, it's it's supplemented from his other sources of income that gave him the money to initially buy the team, right? They just laid off 150 people at Chiquita. So do you know what they do with that? That becomes just like a tax write-off or some bullshit probably. I don't know. But it typically the owner has to die or they have to go absolutely bankrupt from well, a the, different the source. Marlin, the Marlins sold, and it's because they bought the team for somewhere around $100 million, $150 million, something like that, and sold it for like – I, th- I think it was something like close to two billion. Yeah, I mean it's it's profitable, and that's why not too many people sell. And I know exactly what the next thing is going to say. Well, then why aren't they spending? That's well, they, the thing. They, that's the one worry about the twenty twenty four thing is they're going to be set up with such, you know, projected good young controllable talent. The question, and it should work. It really should. You have enough that you can miss on players. Or, or prospects that you'll be okay. But the question becomes when push comes to shove and it's time to spin, will they spin like they did in 2019? Or did that COVID year, as they're saying, right, impact them so much that they're not going going to spin and fill in the holes? As I mean, you've the- got a you, you got a guy like Kyle Body who, you know, he left the you know, they they parted ways uh amicably. I guess amicably. Um, you know, they didn't see eye to eye on the way things, the, the way they wanted to do things or whatever. Uh, but yeah, he threw out a, a, a tweet 
little couple tweets in a row um, saying that there's, you know, generational talent coming up through, you know, the Reds farm system right now. And they're, they're set up eventually. Now, who all is he referring to? Is he only referring to, you know, some of the pitchers he was working with? It, uh-oh, we lost, we lost Ed, it looks like. Um, but, you know, who, who is, who, who all is he referring to? Is he, is he really talking about, you know, numerous positions, just some of these pitchers he's worked with? Because obviously he's pretty high on a lot of these guys. And I know, like, Lodolo has taken hits from some talking heads as to, like, not being ranked as high as he, as he, we all think he should be. Um, Keith Flaw. Yeah. So like, but not, uh, not putting Lodello in the top 100. Yeah. I mean, that is what it is. I, but, I do want to touch on one more thing about the trade that we forgot to mention. There is a player to be named. Typically it, player to be names in any trade are. Um, so those of you who don't know what that means, what it means is the reds were not ready to select a certain player. So they come to an agreement of a pool of players. So the Mariners select, who knows, five names for, you know, easy understanding here, five names and say, these five names you can choose from at a later date. Typically in a trade, those are toss away prospects, kind of like the guy that went from the Reds in the Sunny Gray trade, absolute lottery tickets who never even get close to the majors. However, in this situation, um, Crawl said, which who knows what we can believe and understand, but he said it Nothing. was a legit, a legit player to be named. Um, and from what I've been able to find out through Mariners Twitter world is that it that's true. Like they think it's someone legit. And the one player I would be targeting um, is Perez. Um, what's his? Uh, Milkar Perez. Um, he's a third baseman who's like 20 years old or 19 years old and just raw. But he's like, um, let's see, he's number 12 in the Mariner system. But if you're going to legit player to be named, I mean, that guy has a lot of tools, super fast. He's going to be a third baseman. Um, and I've I've watched him some. And he was a player I was keeping an eye on last year for whatever reason. I'm, I just have certain minor <laughs> leaguers that I keep an eye on. I, I think that could be a player. If the Reds got that back too, I mean, to so me, then, that, that's a fine trade. So, so then, like, my question becomes, because I, I was going to bring it up that, you know, Nick Crawl said, like, you know, they were, that this other, they're really high on this player to be named later. You know, they, they're excited about who they're going to get there. And it if they know who they're picking, if they know who they're going to get, then why isn't it, like, why hasn't it, so it's typically an maybe they haven't maybe they haven't informed the Mariners of who they want, but they're like, this is the guy. So we see it a lot of times during the season where a team will send for cash or player to be named or whatever. And it's an advantage for the team that's acquiring that player. And the reason why is because you typically they're really young players. They're not players on the 40 man. Right. It's not like you're going to get, you know, Jared, Jared K- Kellenick's not the player to be Kellenick. named. Or whatever. So, I, yeah. Kellenick, yeah. Um, so what this is is an opportunity for the Reds to see these players develop more before they select. So when you're talking about 18, 19 year olds, you know, you want to get as much on them as you can. So in reality, it's a good thing for the Reds. If there's a pool of five players, I mean it, it's the same thing as anything. If I said beginning yeah. of the year, pick the Bengals MVP, or I could tell you in the middle of the year, you 
you get to pick it. You know, the more information you have, the better you feel about yeah. your selection. That, that's all it really is. And then, or you know, right? It, and I, I, I mean, obviously, there's a time limit on when you need to make this this pick, but that's not public to us, at and, least. And just so others know, a couple names that I saw that could be floated: Edwin Arroyo, who I don't think they should give up on or not give up on, but trade. He's like their top. He's number 10 prospect shortstop, 18 years old. They just got him. Um, another name that was floated around was Luis Boulevard. They just got him 28th prospect, 18 year old outfielder, like these super young, raw projectable players for the future. It's kind and of when we're, t- when we're talking about the, the Mariners minor leagues, their, their prospect rankings, they're pretty loaded there. Yeah. So, they're so seventh if, if you're looking R3. at like Ray, if you're if you're looking at a, a guy that's maybe their twelfth, like the the first guy you mentioned there, he that's still a, a, a pretty decent ranking in the Mariners organization as if, opposed to if they were to get Perez, um I would imagine he would slot above and this is just me and I'm not prospect ranking guy or anything, but I mean, I think he's above like an Austin Hendrick or right there around. Um, maybe not. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, but I could ask Arm that and, and see what he had to say about that. Maybe I'm very wrong, but um, right. I don't think you're ever wrong. But oh my god, I'm, I'm I could go back to old podcasts and show you plenty of times. No, you write right about Derek Dietrich, and that's all we care about. So. He, Here's my question that I have for you that we, uh, I know you mentioned this, you, you, you tweeted this out earlier today and, and I sent it to you and I was like, Hey, this is on the list is, uh, do you, do you think the MLB sees what the, the Reds are doing here and pulls them from the uh, field of dreams game and replaces them with, you know, a, a team that is, you know, maybe a little more attractive in a game yeah. like that. You so, did do this today. A little background about that. Jeff did a very, very good and very professional thing and sent me an extremely outlined, detailed rundown of the show, which I appreciate. Um, I will say I, I don't think I received anything quite that detailed before Jeff came on the show. <laughs> um, so it, it, in the previous year, um, now Ed or Aaron did send me from time to time a few questions, especially in the beginning when I first started. I will say that, that. was Aaron's job. The, I, I told that this, Jeff this said, thing is new. "Have you all read that?" And I said, "Yeah, of course." Um, and I, for whatever reason, I decided to lie to Jeff. <laughs> um, I did not read his rundown because I plan on doing that tonight at you know eight forty-five, and um, I sent out the tweet. Because I saw um, on Twitter somebody on my other Twitter, my my burner maybe it's not actually a burner, <laughs> but um, I saw a Field of Dreams thing and I was like, holy shit! Oh my god, what if they try to bump the Reds? They and should. I it, and Jeff's like, yeah, I had that on the rundown, so I had to confess <laughs> and tell him I, I I'm a they liar should. and a fraud. They should they should bump him from the Field of Dreams game. The Castellinis do not deserve that game. With so the funny team. thing about that is, quick, do the fans question. deserve it? No. What fans? Clay, you've, you've ran them all off. Okay, stop. Clay, you're in you're in Kentucky, right? So not too far from Nashville. You ever heard of the Nashville Dollies? 
Can we can we actually talk about the Reds still? What are you doing? This is about the Field of Dreams game. First off, Ed. Ed, I'm like three and a half hours from Nashville. I'm. That's not true. I'm two I mean, hours from not... Nashville. I'm four hours. No, this not. is their two field. From... Have you ever driven to Nashville? This is their field. What What are we doing? No, okay. Well, I thought you guys would be interested in like a field of dreams scenario. All right, it's fine. Keep talking. I'm just going to sit over here. I don't think the Reds would have have a field of of dreams dreams scenario. So I tweeted that out. 51 people decided to tell me that the Reds don't deserve it. Agreed. I didn't respond to any of it, really, because in reality, it just wouldn't be worth the time. But, okay, both of these teams were selected last year. Neither one of them made the playoffs. So when they were selected, it wasn't like there were some outstanding team or anything like I, well, I mean, they were decent what, team last changed year that much. Well, we went from 87 wins. I know, to but it wasn't like wins. they selected two 57 wins the teams that played last year were the Yankees and the White Sox, right? Like two good teams. Like it yeah. wasn't like they decided, okay, we're going to have, you know, these heavy hitters. Like it was the Reds and the Cubs, two teams that were middle of the pack in the NL central. Like we it was like 30, they selected them. They're incredible. Uh, for 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 Nick Kirby, we lost at least thirty war. Thirty. Thirty wins. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking? I, about? I don't know. I, I just it just. I didn't expect like, you it, to understand that. It it it's, jumped into it jumped metrics. into my mind a little bit that you know maybe maybe the MLB kind of uses that as a another one of their I don't know anti tanking things like if if we give you this game like. You can't just go out and sell your whole team and, and make it a product. I mean, they're going to get pe- people are going to watch that game regardless. So I guess it doesn't matter, like just because of the what it is. Like they're, it's not like they're trying to sell out a huge number of tickets. There's only like what like ten thousand seats there or something, if that. Like there's not yeah, a lot of seats there, so it's not like they're trying to. They're not trying to pack a full stadium. Uh, it's a one-off thing. It's going to sell out because most of the. Uh, I think most of those tickets are available to Iowa residents only anyway. Uh, and then the rest of them are probably, you know, Super Appar- Bowl ticket, Super Bowl ticket. Apparently we should get it in seats. 2024, Jeff. So, Apparently we should get it in 2024. Here's I mean, the biggest problem. Here's the biggest problem I have with all of this that's happened this week is simply the fact that it, it just doesn't make sense to me that we're prepping for 2024 when, again, we had a roster that if you add a piece or two, we can get there. And what does winning do? Winning sells merchandise. Winning sells tickets. Tickets sell concessions. Tickets sell more merchandise. Look at what the Bengals have done. Right on the other side of the road, right down the road, to where they can't even get anything in their pro shop right now. Still. I, I don't understand the mindset if you're business savvy and you're hemorrhaging money as, again, a team that averages somewhere between 14 and 18 on revenue in the entire entirety of baseball. You're somewhere between 14 and 18 every year. So how are you losing this much money when no one else is? It doesn't make sense. Your contracts aren't crazy. <laughs> Scared yeah. money don't make money, right, Aaron? These are questions. I mean, I know a lot of people think it's just the Reds. Like, no matter what sports you follow, you're going to find these issues across every sport. And to be honest with you, you are 100% right. Like, people should be asking these questions. Yeah. And I think it's bullshit that the Reds decided to enter into this rebuild thing. 
And the main reason why I, on Twitter and the way I approach it is more of a, okay, I'm just going to look for the next thing is simply because there's, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. So I'm just trying to, well, they my, my first... thing is, okay, I'll just try to move on to when they're, I'm just going to follow it for what it is because, you know, I know you, you, you can only control your control. What are we going to do? I but get it. You're... Everyone's asking the right questions. But we're not right? stupid fans anymore. Like it's yeah. 2022. We have access to all of the information now. No team is finishing in the red. 47 million in the red. Get out of here. Come on, man. Don't even come at me with that. It doesn't make sense. And again, as a business owner, sometimes you have to lose money to make money if you're actually losing money, which I'm still not buying. So none of this makes sense. Like as fans, we're out here trying to support a team, trying to support a, a team that is, again, as Jeff said earlier, a very storied, just rich in history team. And we're getting shit on year after year after year by this particular ownership. Say what you will about Marge Shot, and there's a lot you can say about Marge Shot. Do not get it twisted. But she at least tried to field a winning team, regardless of everything else that she supported. But you know what I mean? mean? Like, how about Steve Cohen for the Mets? Like, we just need, and I know there's a lot of people that, hate that guy but i mean that dude says i'm so freaking rich and i want to watch the mets win i'm just gonna buy it what if we if, if we had 30 of those well i i don't I, here again if you're losing 47 million you have a bad business correct sure I'm, I'm going with it you have a bad business but you spent 270 million to get in this business you can sell it right now i believe in that same forbes article that said you lost 47 million again bullshit that's valuing the Reds at somewhere around, I believe, $2 billion. So sell the team and get your two bill, be out, all the way out, and get somebody in here who wants to actually spend the money to put a winning product on the field so we don't have to go through this every seven out of ten years. It doesn't make sense. This is why we should be supporting all of Nick Lachey's new TV shows on Netflix so that he can keep getting paid and buy this team. Okay, that's not going to happen. Like, the, 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 I think the the other issue though with with selling professional teams right now is, is the fact that they're valued what they're valued at, and to to get a a group together that's going to pay that, and then has the additional funds to run the team and do what we would like, which is you know be a you know, a, a Dodgers team that can spend money and not worry about it. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't that that group of people to, is, is that is there. Look, I don't ever expect us to have an LA type of ownership ever. That's I'm being very realistic. About I mean, it. I think the only person that we can bring in here that would honestly, like the only person that I, I see pop up on Twitter a lot that people are like, Oh God, just let him buy the team is you know, a guy like Mark Cuban. Like, does, does he really want to buy the Reds? There's plenty of people. And here's the thing, Jeff, is even the Castellinis are not just a one-person show. It's an ownership that. group. You have right. a group that pulled in their money, but they pulled in at $270 million. Now, again, the upper one percenters have made a lot of money during this particular what's been going on with the pandemic. The upper echelon has made a ton of money right now. Don't get it twisted. There's Exxon. money. There's Just money to out give there. Everyone, an idea of how 
much money it takes to own a team. Um, it's it's tough to wrap your mind around, honestly. But um, I just looked up the first owner that came to mind in professional sports for me was Arthur Bank, who um, Blank, who owns the uh, Falcons. Falcons, and his money is from Arthur Home Blank. Depot is how he became rich. And his net worth is $7.2 billion. Um, you are a different type of rich that we can't hardly fathom if you want to own a team. Yeah, if you I want just looked at Castellini's the, net worth, and it's $400 million, so compare those two. Yeah, so I mean, it's like Evan Peyton, just Manning, here. Peyton Manning, who's on every commercial, was MVP, Super Bowl winner, does not have enough to buy a team and would have to have several partners because he's looking to buy a team. Derek Jeter couldn't do it. Like it, it's, it's Alex a stupid Rod- amount Alex, of money. Alex Rodriguez oh. and JLo, when they were trying to do it together, were minority owners. So when you say sell the team, not you personally, but when people say sell the team, there has to be a buyer and there will be a buyer if somebody wants to. Yeah. But a lot of these people probably, I well, mean, if they want to buy a franchise, there's probably – Clay, if, if an NFL Better franchise is to buy than the Cincinnati Reds. Well, and if an NFL franchise went up for sale right now, you'd have a line around the block of people ready to buy I mean, an NFL franchise. That's my point, I, though. I know nothing about soccer, but I think Arsenal's up for sale and like all these owners of other professional sports teams are like trying to buy it. Like that's the that's the thing that's like my trigger kicked in. It's like, okay, in general, like a lot of these sports owners they're making money no matter what the sport is, the owners, right? If Arsenal goes up for sale right after a pandemic and you have a bunch of sports owners trying to buy it, like, oh, well, if your current team's losing money, like they claim, then how are you going to buy Arsenal? Which, you do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't believe this whole, like, it's this huge sunk cost thing. I, I just, I, I believe that if, if Bob Castellini cannot afford to own the Reds and do what is right by the franchise, by baseball standards, and rather than be the West Side Pirates, which is what we're quickly becoming, get out. I mean, we, we've said that we've beat that drum before that if, if you're an owner of a team and your goal is not to win every year and do everything you can to win every year, like move on. But the goal of owners is just to make money like that's their like the goal of these uh, most of them outside of like you know some of these guys who are beyond stupid rich it's it's like this just like this little like game that they can play like these people are not fans most times they don't they're 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 not a reds it's a reds fan did not buy the cincinnati reds that's not how it works they don't think like a fan they don't care about if they're making money why invest more into it? Okay, maybe to make more money, right? But I mean, that's no guarantee. A lot of these people are just business people, lawyers, you know, whatever they may be, and but they Castellini don't necessarily is a care fan. about. I I just never thought that I'd see the day that the Bengals ownership was more competent and more willing to put a winning product on the field than the Reds ownership. Maybe they're not though. I'm just joking. I just wanted to see if I can get Ed to. Uh, I don't know. I just thought I could get Ed to kind of go yet. on a range there. We haven't All signed right. Gronk yet, so I mean, no. But yeah, we... am I am I wrong? Castellini 
when he he said he was a Reds fan. That's why he bought the team. Am I right? Uh, evidence is contrary to that at this point. In time. Well, and now, Listen, yeah. People, all because they say something doesn't mean shit. Honestly, I mean, what what are you expected to say? Paragraph number two. I'm not a Reds fan. Long time baseball fans. Baseball fans, not Reds fans. And have grown up with the Reds and have fond memories at the ballpark. We all grew up. This is the letter that they released when they when they bought the purchase the Reds. This is what everybody always references back to, where he said, "We will bring championship baseball to Cincinnati." I'm not reading all that. Like, right? If you, just, if, if you just look at the bold, the bold TL, lines, at the TLDR. We will not rest until that happened. The final one is, "We will not rest until you are happy." They're tired as hell, man. They're so tired. Maybe that explains some moves that they've made, or you know, they're just sleep deprived. (laughs) Who knows that? And they've got the worst PR GM of all time in Nick Crawl. I mean, I I know that we like to compare the Bengals to the Reds, especially because the Bengals were bad two years ago. Whatever, not you know. I think it's such, and I heard a lot of that narrative this off season, and maybe it was just people struggling for, you know, articles and whatnot and during recency the bias too. Like, I just think like, it's literally impossible to compare those two sports. I mean, you're talking about salary cap sport. You're talking about players in sport that cares about parity. Prime. Yeah, but you're also talking about a sport with football where, you know, the, so the draft is coming up, and you can draft a guy like a Joe Burrow, right? That can come in and, and immediately, immediately you have your star player that is, can turn the frame. I mean, we, we talk about it on the show all the time, the Joe Burrow effect. Like, look at these guys that want to come play in Cincinnati. Now they bigger than the Mike Trout effect, but you can't go, you can't go draft Joe Burrow this year for the Reds and expect him to, to be ready. I mean, it's very few and far between where you draft a player who immediately has an impact on your Major League yeah, Baseball team. That's exactly my main thing is, in the NFL, you're drafted close to your prime, and for running backs, more or less your prime. In the NFL, it is such a QB-dominated sport. You cannot dominate with one player in baseball. Like I said, in football, you have a really good QB. When you get a franchise QB in football, you're in legit playoff contention until that player either leaves or begins to decline. One player. You don't have that in baseball. I mean, look at the Rangers. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, they got some legit stars they brought in this year, and they're still not projected to be all that great because it's such a more difficult um, team building concept, I guess you, you cannot win with what I'm saying is your team's not going to improve by 50% by getting one player the way that it can in football. Mike Trout is the best player of our generation of our generation. Well, and how, how many times have the angels made the playoffs? Pretty disgusting for you to overlook Christian clone like that, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean that just goes to to Matt build the, the same. That just, that, that just goes that just goes to build the same point that that we're making though. It's just like you can't baseball you, with, without endless funds to pay a bunch of guys to you know change your team. A bunch of guys, 
you you can't do it in one year or two years like unless you have the money to to bring away like you're just not going to go into the draft like we're talking about guys like chase petty who were the number it was the number one pick for the the twins and he doesn't even have an eta to the mlb for still another four years sell the team bob and and, and you don't know he he may not pan out the the number of players that are drafted in, in major league baseball that don't pan out is astronomical because they draft so many players i did a um research project on this is like about a month ago on top 100 list right because everyone during trade season what do you do you look at top 100 say oh we want to trade with the a's here's guy number 87 let's go get him and I studied eight years, the past eight years, and the amount of players that have a career 10 war, okay? A average MLB shortstop has about a two war um, in a season. Maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little, little bit lower. Um, there's about 20% that have more than a 10 career war. I mean, you're talking about 25% that never have even a one war. So you're really talking about it. It's just the draft is so crazy. The prospect list up and down. It's absurd. So um, I, I, I know that you all have to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and um, re-signing Hill and uh, the, the tight end league. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and uh, let, let's see what else I can ruin. Joe Burrow's new injury no one knows about but me. Um, well, before I go out, I do want to say I – shit on the Bengals a lot especially to you all to, and to us specifically in our group chat yes correct and i um i love watching that team in the playoffs i mean that was special it really was that team was ahead of its you know curve or whatever yeah, you want to call two it years ahead of time yeah head of schedule um close win i mean that that team was so exciting to watch i'm glad that the city of cincinnati got the Bearcats and Bengals um, playing good football this year. That was awesome. Hi, um, you know, did we just become best friends? No. Um, <laughs> however, you know, my best all, of this, all of this positive movement with the Bengals <laughs> and the Bearcats football teams going on. And for whatever reason, Ed can't stop talking about Kenyon Martin from 2001. I mean, we, we have to find a way. <laughs> To get this guy out of the past, man. It's been 21 years. Give up on Kenyon Martin. He's gone. Oh, he's going to go get his collection. It's going to take him an hour and a half. To get all, the, <laughs> all the stuff down that he's got. But from a non-Bengals fan, that team is that team could be scary. Um, they're adding in free agency. Got a couple offensive linemen. The bad the, do what are they gonna do at tight end? I mean, what are they gonna do at tight end? The tight end draft sucks. And for those who don't know, I'm I'm a big NFL draft guy, like big time. So, so, so who do you have? Who do you have before we let you go? Who do you have the Bengals taking? Is it gonna be offense or defense? Oh, I okay. Let let me take a step back. I know and listen to a bunch of podcasts and read about a bunch of prospects. I don't do individual. I, okay. I don't know the Bengals team needs. You're not you're not mocking or anything. No, but I uh, I do do the mock draft on the draft networks. It's a doo-doo. Yeah. 
Those of you who use the PFF mock draft, that's bad. Go to the draftnetwork.com and use that. If you get a premium subscription, you can trade. <laughs> you can trade Ooh. on PFF. Well, the PFF also has like the worst rankings. They have Travis Jones it's, going in the third terrible. round. I guarantee you, Travis Jones, defensive tackle, UConn, will go easily in the top 50 I, picks. I, I wouldn't I even be surprised if he's in the first round. UConn still has a football team? Yes. I don't feel like they actually update their rankings nearly enough on PFF, to your point. And I'm not an anti-PFF guy. I listen to their like show podcasting on YouTube constantly. Um, I just, yeah, we had we had Austin I'm Gale not... on uh, on last week on uh, the BCJ podcast. So. Can I quickly ask? And I promise I'll leave after this. Who do you all think uh, they should get in the first round? Apparently, a tight end now. Uh, there, no. There's no tight end in this draft that's going in the first round. No, this tight end. You don't take a, you don't take a tight end in the first round. Ed. There's not a tight there's not a tight tight end in this draft. You know, I haven't had time to work on that. Yeah. The, what, um, what 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 position? What position? Give me something. I would go the way that I've seen my mock drafts go when I've done them. Um, I'm looking defense actually in the first round if they stay at 31, um, and I'm going either interior line or uh, an edge rusher or a cornerback, um, not necessarily in that order, probably cornerback first. I, I think that's where they're, the draft is deepest at that particular spot. And uh, I think they'll already have the offensive line short up at that point in time. I was going to say that my, my selection is going to be based off of obviously what ha- I mean, tomorrow free agency, like full on opens up for people to sign. Um, so they, they could potentially shore up, you know, obviously they're the, tight end situation they'll probably shore that up um i would assume probably through free agency uh and then i th- i think that they they've got to go for a cornerback like uh, you got to remember like joseph asai is coming back so like he's gonna fill in another like edge spot um you know they they lost uh i guess what ogan joby's did he, did he have, i guess he hasn't officially signed with but i guess it's Chicago. Like I guess it sounds like he's going to go to the Bears. So 12, 12 million. We weren't paying 12 million for no, him. How are no, the no. Bengals looking so, in the slot? Uh, slot's taken care of. Uh, slot's or, or, slot's uh, Mike, Mike Hilton still. Okay. Roger McCreary from Auburn. Short arms may have to move in to kind of the slot role the in, in a nickel package. However, that man, before every game, Eats a can of beans with four packs of sugar. I, I want that guy on my football team. I just want there's, that guy in my locker. There's there's a there's a corner that I've seen um, at 31. I've seen him in more mocks than not um, from Florida. I can't recall his name. Elam. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been there at 31, and I think that'd be a fantastic pick. Yeah, he tested well at the combine too. They Tyler should just trade up and get Sauce. Okay. Dude, sauce to the Vikings. If not before, then he's gonna end up. He's gonna end up in New York, Giants. whether whether it's with the Giants or the Jets. I think it's gonna be the Giants. Giants. I I, uh, I think the Giants. Trevor Pinning from Iowa or um, from Northern Iowa, big nasty tackle. I didn't well, see him uh, mocked there, but they have. I think they have two picks. They do. In the, in they the have like five, ten. five and seven. All right, before I go, Malik Willis, number two overall to the Detroit Lions, and they will regret that pick. But I think I've seen Detroit trading up 
to 32 or do they have 32 from the Rams? They have 32. They have 32. Um, I've seen them actually waiting to take their quarterback at 32 and, and they take Des Ritter in a lot of mock-ups because that's honestly about the best place you could take a quarterback. Um, I think Malik Willis is too unproven. And uh, if you take Des at 32, A, you're spending an early pick on something far better than a quarterback. B, you still have Jared Goff there. C, you also get the fifth year with a 32nd pick. So, Yeah, you want to keep that fifth year option for the quarterback. But apparently sure. apparently, Des is shooting up people's boards. I, I read that today somewhere. So we'll see. The thing about Des, and this is not me hating on him. He went to my the same high school as me. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. I That's very to. cool. I didn't know that. Actually. What you do with quarterback, and how often do we see this, is a lot of times you, you want to project out traits, right? I think Ritter is going to be maybe the best pro of this or have the longest pro career. He may not have the Agreed. high traits. He may not be able to do what Malik Willis can do in terms of just the arm strength and his mo- mobility, but he can do so much um, at such a consist- consistent level that I think he, he he very well could be a starter for 10 years in the NFL. I don't see any reason why he can't. Um, the dude's super smart. Um, I, I, think, I think teams are really, really going to like him. I just think it's such a weak quarterback class. Um, but, you know, last year we saw Trey Lance go three overall, and a lot of people had second-round grades on him when they do their evaluation. So that second-round grade in terms of talent, but as we know, the quarterback position is valued so high, they always go before they – Before their, their, their ranking. And That's everybody, that was uh, Clay Snowden from JustFootball.com. I don't know if you want <laughs> to <What are> you <laughs> doing? How do I think I am? I'm just sitting here like bullshitting about the draft as it. if I, I know stuff. I told you we miss you, Clay. We miss you. I'm just like regurgitating a bunch of – I so I watch a bunch of film study. Um, not like me breaking it down, like other people breaking it down because um, I don't know nearly enough. And now I – who am I, draft guy? I mean, fuck. <laughs> Draft guy, um, Snow Clayton. I, I do want to point out the chat through in the in the uh, in the chat. The tight end is very deep. Uh, no elite guys, but a ton that can produce at a Uzama level right away. Uh, that said, um, I think that's maybe why Josh Wiley stayed. So the tight end group is weird. The tight end group is deep. Isaiah Likely is a guy I like a lot from uh, Coastal Carolina, but I don't see any of these guys as difference makers. Um, the, kid, the, kid, the kid from Virginia is going in like on my mock in like the fifth round. Yeah. I mean, you, you could, so there's this guy from Maryland who I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I've watched him a lot being a Michigan state fan. Um, and he's just crazy athletic. He has some r- ridiculous name, but I like him. He's going late rounds. Dolchus from UCLA, the Ohio state um, kid, third round Jake Ferguson. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some, Solid players, but there's just not a game changer at tight end in this group. I, I I don't think the Bengals need a game changer at tight end, if I'm being honest. They just need somebody who can catch the ball better than Drew Sample. Bring back Tyler Eifert. He's he's come on, man. Get out of here. Bye, Clay. Bye, Clay. Hey, Bye, Clay. Clay, look what I got. Living in the past, Clay. He's living in the past. <laughs> All right, Ed. I'll let you all get to wrapping this up so you can go watch your VHS of Kenyon Martin highlights. (laughs) 
Jason right. Maxiel or Maxwell or whatever his name is is going to be mad. <laughs> it's Maxiel. That was Clay Snowden joining us from Just Baseball. We were the first to ever have him, Nick Kirby. You will never replace us on that. Um, and he is our best friend. We love you. So hey, much. what? Okay, just quickly, I have to show you all this. These are the um, the bottles I got you all last year that you still have not picked up. I've yet to oh, be able to show you all. I will be in. Uh, I'll be in uh, Louisville uh, in April. Okay, um, I've had these since September, so <laughs> I can wait till April. But I just wanted to show you all because I've not been able to show you the actual bottles. You I will wipe pictures. the dust off of them beforehand. You, you sent us Sick. pictures. I, also, I, I love the new setup, brother. I, I think that we need to figure out when around. we need to figure out when you actually get to Cincinnati to bring them and present them to all of us and just have a night. But we'll, I've we'll texted figure... you all like four different times. We'll, we'll fig- Cincinnati <laughs> <and 30 laughs> there was a, there was a pandemic. We'll, we'll figure Clay's it like, out. Clay's hey like, guys, I'm driving up seventy five and eight minutes. The river. I'm going to Cincinnati. He's like, I, I'm I'm actually on the bridge crossing over <laughs> into Cincinnati right now. He's like, now. I'm not stopping in Cincinnati. I'm on my way through. You you think you can meet me on the side of the highway? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll meet me on the side bottle. of seventy one. I left the bottles uh, behind the McDonald's dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> They're gone. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Clay Snowden. Again, thank you very much for joining us to talk all things CBA, Reds, and Shambles, and everything else in between. We appreciate you, sir. All right, thank DM you. me for draft info. <laughs> Clay Snowden with justfootball.com. Yeah, um, there's nothing else to talk but, about. Oh, man, I miss that guy. God. I love him. All right, so... The Bengals, they did make some moves. Those moves included two offensive linemen that have yet to be actually ink on paper. Uh, we, we Hopefully got, tomorrow that's official. We got Alex Kappa from uh, Tampa Bay. We, uh, we stole away from one Tom Brady who's He's back in the league. 45 years old. What are we doing here? He's 789 years old and he's back in the league. The memes he... on that are hilarious. Like he was he was at home for, for two months with his wife and kids and was like, nah, never, never mind. I'm gonna want a 300 pound lineman to come hit me. The same for me. It's amazing just how he still looks younger than all three of us. It, it's crazy. I also think it's me. funny, and, and this is a, a, a totally stolen take, but everybody's making it with it. He's like, I've got unfinished business. And they're like, what unfinished business do you have? Like, you've got all the Super Bowls. You've got records. You've got records. You've literally done it all. Well, how about the guy who just bought football, sold for $500,000, and now it's worth 50 grand? Like, the only thing, the only thing that he hasn't done is celebrate a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay sober. (laughs) True. Because he was very drunk. The fact that they were throwing that the trophy Lombardi trophy from boat to boat, I I, I I'm still just. Oh, I hope he doesn't get a chance to celebrate a Super ever Bowl ever again. There. Get out of here, man! You're 45. Come on. I think he was. Come on, man. He he, he got a little jealous of, of the uh, the Gronk Burrow bromance that was. Uh, I, I think was so. Starting and. What, is it also kind of strange to you guys that, uh, and I know we're talking about tight ends, but like, and th- this is a take that Ed doesn't like, but like, is it kind of strange that like he hasn't 
that there hasn't been an announcement there yet or, or is agree. it because they're is it because they're in the middle of restructuring a lot of things to get around whatever the nfl the the mythical nfl salary cap to make sure that it, it works out like, Here, here's what's gonna happen jeff you think he what, goes to the bills like what, what? no 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 he's gonna end up a buccaneer and it's gonna be a, a team-friendly deal that's what i was told what's what's going to happen is he's going to end up with a substantial investment from one tom brady into whatever company it is that he has right now oh he owns a company with his brother I with believe it's like ice ice shaker or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was on a Shark Tank, uh, Mister Mark. But that's what's going to happen. The same way that Tom Brady was always taking team friendly deals that keep getting thrown out there, by the way, from the Patriots. While the Patriots were also invested, Robert Kraft was investing money into Tom Brady's company. That's what's not talked about as he's taking team friendly deals. Get out of here! He wasn't getting paid. He was taking team friendly deals. Joe Burrow should do the same. Joe Burrow should get paid. No, oh, absolutely. Unless absolutely. he's got a company that Mike Brown's going to invest in, fat chance. But talking yeah. about Kappa, you know, they they said that you know Tom Brady when he was coming back, like obviously he called Ryan Jensen first, which took him out from underneath the you know that that was a a done deal apparently, right. and he calls him up like, hey, I'm coming back, like, can you please come back? And Jensen was like, all right, and then apparently I guess his next call was to Kappa, and Kappa was like, um. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna head up up to Cincinnati and and play with Joe Burrow. So, so. what? You, real quick, the Gronk brothers own a Gronk Nation, which own a fitness club, uh, fitness equipment, um, ice shaker, uh, a, an official Gronk party bus, and uh, sports chew. They rented their house out. They rented Gronk's house out to party with Gronk for the Super Bowl. Gronk didn't show up. <laughs> Happens. So anyway, like obviously that that's likely a pipe dream. Uh, he's probably you know going back to it. Yeah, you know, he he is like he is old. Like he as far as like he was injured that, half that the year. Is, like you know, and and people want to say like, well, you know, like look at the numbers he put up versus what uh, Uzama put up, and it's like, but he he was he's Brady's guy, right? So he got like a lot more, like you got to look like here, you've got other guys that are, that, that need to eat for, for lack of a better word. Right. Like, so he just needs to draw off the double team. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, we had some, some red zone deficiencies. So like, he's also a hell of a blocker and he's a great blocker. So like, I mean, if, if they can get it and it doesn't cost them an arm and a leg, and he decides that he wants to leave Brady, who's coming back. Like, I don't see that happening. But if he decides that that's what he wants to do, then I would be happy to take him as a Cincinnati Bengal. And it's a little easier to say that now that we know that CJ is headed up to put on the the green and white and play for the Jets and have Mike White throw him passes. Well, we also signed an offensive lineman who can shift between guard and center. He's, He's been both. Uh, he he snapped to Tom Brady an awful lot in his career. Um, is it is it Tim Karras? Is that your first name, Tim? I know it's Karras. Uh, uh, it's Karras is his last name. Uh, and, and that 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 could develop very well with uh, with the recent uh, release of the Brown Center. 
who had yes. the number two pass blocking ranking in the league. And and now, all, all of a sudden, your entire interior line is different. And you could turn it over, and like missing out on Jensen doesn't hurt as much as like really at all. You're talking about JC. Uh, is it Treader? Treader? Yeah, he's the NFL PA president. But yeah, he uh, so he gets he gets you know, I guess he was a a victim of the salary cap or whatever the Browns are doing up there. Um, Ted Karras, I'm sorry, Ted Karras, another three-letter T name. So you know, you bring him in if you can get if you can get. Uh, it's Fredder, right? I, I got from the Browns. I think it's Treader. 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 With a T. Treader. T R E T T E R. J C. So, so if you can, if you bring him in, you know, obviously, like that's been one of those things where it happened today. People are like, "Oh yeah, the Bengals should target him, bring him in." Like, well, we gotta imagine Trey Wayne's and uh, the Hopkins our, and and Trey Hopkins both get cut tomorrow. I would think likely, and and a lot of this is going to kind of work itself out over the next couple of days. Um, and, and then obviously once, once free agency, cause I, I feel like it's going to be a flurry obviously tomorrow. And then, you know, once things kind of settle down or whatever, then we can, we can look forward to, to what the Bengals need to address, um, when the draft rolls around. But yeah. obviously, you know, there is potential, there is potential that what the Bengals do in free agency in the next couple of days they can look at, at possibly trading out of that 31 spot and and maybe, you know, to move back, maybe use it to trade for a piece from somewhere. You may um, not if, have to if Lyle and, Collins. And then you still have you still have Collins from from uh down in uh down in Dallas. Like who who is an LSU guy, might I add. So so you got him and uh, although you never know what those Dallas guys are going to do because that uh, was it Randy Gregory was like the the Cowboys tweeted out like you know he's back he's coming back and then the Broncos were like nah he's coming here so, who knows you, you never know I mean free uh, agency is going to be wild and it starts tomorrow at, I, I guess like, rumors four. are rumors are that Dallas is going to take would right now take a low draft pick just yeah. to get Collins out which is crazy. But obviously, with our offensive lineman coach and Lyle Collins, he was the one who drafted him. To, or well, actually, Collins was an undrafted free agent. Um, took a chance on him, um, and he ended up being a guy. Um, but you, a could dude, you could potentially save a bunch of money if you wait for him to get cut instead of trading for his current contract. So we'll see what happens with Lyle Collins. He seems to be a glass eater. So, um, the Bengals re-signed B.J. Hill. If you don't remember who B.J. Hill is, he had some big plays in the playoffs. Um, he was the guy who notably was traded for Billy Price. Ended up being good enough for a three-year, $30 million deal. That's a big deal for a guy who nobody knew who he was when he got to Cincinnati. By the time the Super Bowl was around, everybody knew who he was. He's been a dude. I think that's a great signing. I think you had to keep either BJ Hill or Larry Ogunjobi. And they went with the guy who was not injured. They went with the guy who was 
I, I think he's trending up, whereas Ogunjobi may be trending down um, yeah. and cheaper, if we're being completely honest. Yeah. Uh, Ogunjobi had a great season. That's not a knock on Ogunjobi, but injuries are not to be ignored. So, I mean, obviously a lot more of this. I mean, and we could talk about CJ leaving, you know, what was, was, was him leaving for that? Eight million is a lot for a tight end, man. Yeah. I mean, he, he chased the money there. Obviously he, you know, are the jets going to turn things around soon enough to, you know, get him a chance to get back to the Super Bowl? They've made some big moves in free agency already. And, and and they may, I mean, offensive line, especially. Let's face it, the the Bengals weren't you know looked at as a team that was going to make it to the Super Bowl. Like we we can't we can't look at everything and say like, oh yeah, the Bengals have been dominant forever. Why are you know, no, why are these? No, no, no. So, and yeah, he's a huge locker room guy, yes. a great a great guy like that on the field. And this isn't a knock on him, but he's replaceable on the field. Mm-hmm. So, is he replaceable? The energy he brings in the locker room, likely not. Um, Outside, I mean, like some other guys can pick it up, but he—he's a special guy. We we love him here in Cincinnati, and I, I think it would be unfair to say that anybody wouldn't wish him well in the rest of his career. Agreed, right? Like sure. we love it. Like the the scene of him at the pep rally ripping the brace off and chucking it in the air will live <laughs> on in in Cincinnati Bengals lore forever, and it was amazing. And so, like you know, he he's in New York now. As Jeff. long as they're not playing us and it, and it doesn't affect us, I will I'll still root for him. Are you talking about my daughter's hand that's popping up in the you back? Got, you got a visitor. <laughs> yeah, she's a nut. Uh, so it is what it is. Like you know, I I'm happy for him. Um, everybody said it all over Twitter. Like he does, he certainly has a future in you know being a, a presenter probably on a, a national NFL show somewhere. He's got a future with a lady. In... Uh, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's, that rumor is true. Maybe. I mean, but, I'm, I'm just uh, saying good morning football. Do you think she's still going to be a fan of the Bengals next year? I think, I think the so. Bengals, the Bengals oh. treated her like a princess. I think yeah, she'd yeah. be foolish to not be a fan of the Bengals next yeah. year. I mean, she always has good. I mean, we're talking about Kay Adams and she's got great takes. Like, I mean, she, She's somebody that you can look at that, that has like takes like pretty objective view of, of the National Football League and what's going on. So, Whatever. all right. Well, wrapping, wrapping up here, uh, a couple things with the Bearcats, and we'll get you out of here. We're running a little late tonight. Clay ran a little late part. tonight. Ed's got his his <laughs> uh, ninety second book review. <laughs> so all right Jeff's gone the tournament is back Cincinnati has Cincinnati has a tournament team the tournament the basketball tournament, tournament. TBT the basketball tournament uh I I, I saw this mock-up here Ed and I saw yep. another mock-up somewhere else that only had one T, the way it should be. Yes, I believe somebody called him out on this and said, why are there two Ts? And I believe he, he contacted uh, TBT and got that got that fixed. Unfortunately, he, I made this graphic during lunch before he did that. So He probably said 
he, he well i mean he even spells it up in the in the tweet uh, with one t so 100% but that's pretty cool and uh it would be neat if they sold well, those jerseys do they do that does tbt yeah. do they sell like so uh, they don't usually sell the jerseys but they, they will sell, sell hoodies shorts. they sold uh an extra two extra jerseys and two extra pairs of shorts uh for the bearcat gm because i guess two players didn't show up or something like that um but normally it's just the hoodies they uh they also put out a projected kevin johnson also put out a projected what starting rotation troy Calpain, jacob evans trayvon scott octavius ellis shaq thomas jaron cumberland Isaiah Miller from UNCG, who is currently in the NBA G League or or was. I'm not really sure how that those rules work out. Uh, James Dickey, also from UNCG and Israel, apparently. Uh, I'm not familiar with James Dickey at all. Uh, That said, that's a huge upgrade on the last team that was put out with TBT. That looks um, like a solid team, and they also want to reach. They're also trying to reach out to uh, Sean Kilpatrick and uh, Justin Jackson. Well, Kevin, let's 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 be honest. Kevin Johnson apparently doesn't know how Twitter works because he put out wanting wanting to know what team what people thought about potential coaches, but didn't know that you could actually make a poll. So <laughs> maybe he can figure that out sometime between now and I don't know the weekend. <laughs> And figure out how to put a poll up for who you want him to reach out to to be the coach. Whether it was, I think there's Ken- a coach. I think he had like Kenyon Martin on there. I, I th- there were there was maybe Steve we got a Logan. couple guys that are in the. I don't think Steve Logan was on there, but there's a couple. I mean, that's what I'm saying is Steve Logan's here in town. I think he would do it, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, um, Demar. Demar could probably coach the team. Mars probably not allowed. It may be a oh, solid point. Solid NCAA point. infraction. Solid. I'm not, I'm not sure how that goes, but uh, I don't recall anybody who had collegiate um, association there outside of like, West Virginia's I'm, team I'm had the assistant coach last year. I know Evan Turner was like a coach, um, but when he was still in the league, but I think he was only allowed to be a coach, but I don't know that you can actually do an NCAA coach. Right. Right. Yeah. Could be could be violations there. And this could um, be exciting because this is supposed which, to be played uh, at the Centos Center. And um, NCAA coaches usually have a lot going on in the offseason anyway. Yeah, solid yeah, point as well. Like, I, I would like our coaches, and then we can move into wrapping up the uh, Bearcats season. Um, I would like our coaches to be doing what they didn't get a chance to do last year, which is recruit. Well, DeMar yes. can't and, technically be in, involved in recruiting. Well, but you know but, what I mean. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Not, not, um, not firsthand involved. I mean, he can still be doing research, watching tape, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Right. And maybe we can, maybe we can push off our, our actual thoughts on the the end of the uh, basketball Clark. season to to next week, as we are. No, well, let's almost. knock it out real quick because I don't want to necessarily go back to this. Okay. I don't think it's going to take long. Um, no. UC came in hard down the stretch uh, when they finally had a break. When, yeah. when they when they finally had some time to practice, yeah. they came in hard in the tournament. They played twelve games in twenty five days in February, and that is more than all but one school, I believe, 
um, which was tied with Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati got hosed, if we're being honest, as far as rescheduling went. Uh, They had two games rescheduled against not one, but two top teams in this conference, in Memphis and in Houston. And to go where you can't practice in between games because NCAA rules to where you're literally just doing a run-through and playing another game, how, how do you how do you instill any type of adjustment? Yeah. We can take the graphic down now, Ed. Oh, that's a good solid point. Sorry, the Indiana game's on. Good uh, to see I, you're invested here. I, mean, what, I am invested. I'm listening. So we I mean we we've talked about that that they didn't have a lot of break, and we I guess my my question uh to you guys is do you feel that the season ended on on like an upswing? Because a lot of people said, you know, they during most of the season, a lot of a, a lot of people were saying like, "Hey, the, this season is uh, they're regressing." Like, I don't see any improvement anywhere. I, I don't see I don't see anything to be positive about what is happening with with UC basketball. Saw they it a won, lot. They won a game against ECU, and I think that was very important yes. going into the off season. I thought that was important. I also thought that they, I mean, and we, we had a, a group chat going, um, obviously, the uh, during, during the Houston game. Um, and, and I thought, I really thought they, they gave it all that they had there. There wasn't any kind I mean, they flat out got beat. Houston is a better team. Oh, Houston's right? a good team. They've but got the that, talent. Like that's the difference between a team that hadn't played in that tournament and a team that played the day prior, the, the day before. Absolutely. But not only that, but also was here the the talent difference, yeah. right? No, you. I mean, absolutely. I mean, there, yeah. there's a lot of things going, and I, like, it's not making any kind of excuses. Like, the, those kids they, didn't go out there thinking that you know they, they were threw their haymaker. Like they didn't. They threw they their haymaker. It, it landed. It did, and they played solid defense for three quarters of the game. Right. We're not getting a forty ball hung on us, as our our friend J T Smith likes to say, like. You know, the the gap there closed. Like we weren't getting, we're not getting embarrassed and run off the court. Our coach isn't walking off the the floor before the game's over. Like these things aren't happening. Um, obviously, you know, once the portal opens up and people hit the portal, and then we've got some recruits that are coming in. Like, I, I am a big West Miller fan. I, if you go back to last year, about this time, whatever, whenever he was announced as the coach. No, I wasn't. Was, I wasn't nope. necessarily. <laughs> no, I mean, that was that was way later. Right. <laughs> I'm just, I said about this time. I'm just saying end of the season, right? No. no yeah. It. No. I was laying in bed after my first COVID I, shot. I am, I am not saying that it happened like in March. It was. It was like May. May or June. what I am saying is when he was installed as the coach here, he wasn't my first pick. We all had okay. talked about that stuff. Your timeline was just wrong. So I'm not, uh, I'm not like, I wasn't like hanging on Wes Miller. Like, yeah, this is, you know what? I wanted to see, uh, I was impressed with his, his resume. Cause I didn't know who he was for one, but None once I looked said. into it, I, I was None impressed with, said. obviously I was impressed with his resume and those kinds of things like that. And I wanted to see what he had to do. And I, I thought he did a, 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 a better job than I thought anybody could come in here and do with what he was given. I thought in my head, 
And I've said it before that I thought 12 to 13 wins was really going to be the ceiling for this team this year. And they blew that out of the water. Okay. So I was happy there. I thought that they had success beyond what I had predicted in my own head. So I was happy with what they've got. I know that there were some deficiencies and some issues that happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's going to, you know, you got a team that was, we've said it before, and whatever, like 30 days put together this team and they, you know, scraped the bottom of the transfer portal barrel to find who was left out there that they could get and brought some guys over from UNCG and, you know, were able to hold on to some of the guys that were still here. It'll be interesting whatever. to see what happens with the roster in the offseason. Uh, I don't know if either of you watched the press conference from Wes Miller this afternoon. And I saw a lot of people, I, and then there were a lot of people that said that, you know, his, his quote about like, you know, I, I like the guys that are here. Like, like people expected him to come out and be like, no, like, I want well, everybody to leave. Like, no, no, no. no so, coach is going to say that. Like, so it was the way he said it, though. He said that he's going to have conversations. They're going to be very honest. He said that he liked his team and doesn't want anybody to leave and said that, oh, here he comes. This was the I'm, I'm recapping the nightcap at this point, Chad. Go ahead, Aaron. You're in the All middle right. of a thought. So, so he 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 basically said that he kind of expects everybody to come back and that it's going to be honest conversations. It's a, a two part conversation. You first have the conversation and then you come back around and then decide what they've told you, where they expect you to be next year, what your role would be next year, what kind of guys they want to bring in next year. Uh, then you decide as the player whether you come back or not. It's not we're running anybody out. It's the player right. gets to decide. Ed, you realize we can see your screen in the glasses, right? Like, so whatever's going on in the screen, we can see. <laughs> Just giving you a heads up. Like, uh, I don't want you to make any cancelable mistakes. He claims he's watching Indiana. I believe he's watching porn. Stop. Oh, no, Jesus. that's not true. I'm watching Indian. I got Twitter on this screen and Indiana's on the big TV. Okay. So you you join us, Chad. Coming in here late at, at the 225 mark. We'll, we'll see how dedicated people are because I'm gonna drop some heat right now. Oh on oh, PTP. Before you a- drop before you drop heat, uh, I do want to uh shout out, and I'm sure that nobody that listens to this has any idea about it. But the Bearcats did have uh, someone placed at the NCAA Indoor National Championships in track, and that was Ellie Leather placed third in the mile, and that is awesome. So we you have. What's, what's that? Apparently, she's British, so we uh, should I, have like we should find a way to have her on. Just I don't to, know. I don't no, know anything I'm, about. I'm telling you, Jeff. That, apparently, like, she's British. I enjoy so. track and field, and watching it when I. I saw Jeff she show. was in the race. I was like, hey, this is awesome. And then she she ran a great race and ended up taking third. So kind of a kind of a standard miler, like hung towards the back of the pack early. Yeah. And then and made then, her move in the middle watched, laps. Did you watch the race? No, I'm speaking out of my ass. Of course I watched the race. <laughs> do, do we have a do we have a well I you just said like like a typical miler? Like I didn't know if you were asking me, is that what she did? Chad, I, I ran. Like, wow, Chad, I, I'm a you're runner. doing an amazing job. I was a runner. I I I had a chance to run for Marshall, and I, I talked it, about instead, this. Yes, we have decided to get into broadcasting instead of dedicating my time to waking up at six in the morning and and running and running endless miles. He no, was running. 
I run every morning. So yeah, so I wanted to throw that shout out because I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. As I've told you before, Jeff, I ran a ten nine hundred. I ran a sub fifty four hundred, and I I I couldn't break two in the eight hundred. I was right, like I was always right there. Two minutes, two oh one. I couldn't quite dip below two in the in the half mile. That's fair. So yeah, it's gonna be a three hour pod. Um, so here we go. A lot of uh, a lot of conversations have gone on in the past couple of days. I think we are solidly at five guys from the current roster that will return. I think there is one that I expect to enter the transfer portal at some time soon. And that leaves four guys left to make a decision. And that's where we're at. I can't get into names because names would give away announcements. And I'm never going to give away an announcement. If you know how things work uh, at Bearcat Journal, um, there are guys like we don't do it in recruiting. We're not going to do it in any other uh, format facet. So uh, I think there's five guys from the roster that I feel comfortable will return. I think there's one that is entering the transfer portal and there are four others that we wait uh, anxiously to hear what their decisions may be. That's fair. That's the best I can. That's the best I can give you. It's good not, information. Often, not often you drop bombs here on PTP, <laughs> but we do appreciate it. Look, if they're two and a half hours in, they deserve something. They deserve that. They deserve that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Greg, huge win over Horizon League Cleveland State in the Centos. Not even the best Horizon <laughs> League team because Wright State was. <laughs> Wright State plays Bryant tomorrow night. I can't wait for this game. There's, there's a kid on Bryant who apparently is cockier than any kid that's ever left Xavier, and I'm here for it. Can't be cockier than than. Greg came oh, no. back for oh, more no, this week. Is. Oh no, the kid from Bryant is yeah. like JP Makura thinks he's loud. Worse oh, than Jimmer. Loud. Maybe Jimmer like, did. Yeah, he created his own team. Worse than what, what's the kid that tripped everybody at Duke? Um, oh yeah, I know you're talking Allen. about a kid. Yeah, Grayson. Yeah. Like this is a dude that like. He got a technical for swinging on the rim after doing a reverse dunk in the conference finals. Like he's aggressively uh, loud. Can the Bearcats get him? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I want, I, I want that injected into my veins. Well, I think he was also just on with uh, Dave Portnoy this afternoon on his show. No, that was the kid from Indiana, Miller. Cop, okay, that was on with with Portnoy. That thing say I look the same as fine. Here. Peter Kiss is the cockiest yeah, player Kiss, in college yeah. basketball and leads That's the nation him. in scoring. That's him. Wright what? State's in trouble tomorrow night, Aaron. Get out of here. Like He's... Diego Guavera, Peter Kiss. Go, go Raiders. Oh, you went all the way back there. What a throwback, Chad. Wright all State, right. wrong school. Two and a half hours in. That is the end of this. Chad dropped a bomb. Not the end. We had we had Clay. Thank you, Clay, for coming back and being our BFF. Ed, Ed, is, Ed doesn't have a 60 oh, second chat. Oh right, man. Okay, get ready. Five. No, four. this is gonna be a Scott Hall tribute. Has to be. 
I'm sure. I, hey, you didn't eat. Did you hear how I opened the show today? Hey, yo. I wasn't here for that. Oh. Sorry. Hey, yo. All right. All right, Ed. You Kevin got, Owen. Are, are you doing Are you doing AEW or are you doing Scott Hall? Surprise. Okay. Well, that's the difference between 60 seconds and 90 seconds, so you tell me. Do you want 60 or 90 seconds, Ed? 60 seconds will be fine. Okay, here we go. Count it down, Aaron. And three, two, Ed. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. That was it. One of one of the greatest entertainers in the history of history. The first ever ladder match against Shawn Michaels. Yeah. They they have a there is a video on YouTube of those two watching that match together and it's awesome. I need to check that out. All right, I used to Scott walk Hall. around used to walk around the living room with a toothpick in my mouth and just fling it at my brother's face. All right. And then razor edge him onto the couch. No one cares. <laughs> as, oh, long as, was, cares as long as it was Gregory Joseph. It was Greg, yeah. All right. Very good. It explains uh, a lot. That was another episode of Part of the Punctuation. R.I.P. Scott Hall. Uh, thank you to Chad Brendel for stopping in for his little gem. Thank you to Clay Snowden for joining us from JustBaseball.com uh, for joining us for nearly two hours we missed the hell out of him and we're glad to have him back with baseball coming back and all of that but thank you to ed i'm you were you were here tonight right yes i set all this up oh okay um and and to jeff (laughs) i i got confused there were some comments i i didn't know but but thank you to everybody who who joined us tonight um this was a a one of our louder uh, comment sections tonight. So we appreciate all of you who joined us, but this was another episode of part of the book situation. We will be back with you next Tuesday, nine 15 as always. So for my comrades, I am Aaron Smith. We'll see you next week. See you. Yo.